get it going. It's time to get up. Here's Hughes through the middle for Miller. Off the bench, he's in alone. JT Miller to the forehand, he scores! JT Miller in overtime. He scores his eighth of the year. And the Canucks take the second point tonight in Ottawa. These guys are here to break it all down. I think in, the, in general, we've played pretty well for the last 17, 18 games. We've probably had three games that we didn't like. It's nice to get a win when we probably didn't play our best. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Tuesday, March 16th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack, he's kicking it on the other side of the glass, chilling with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on AM650. Also on HD3 at 969 or shout out to everybody listening this morning on the Sportsnet app. Lots to get to up and running this morning. You can also always get us, kick us in the A double crooked letter. Tell us what's right. Tell us what's wrong. Tell us what's fair. Tell us what's foul. Dunbar Lumber Text Line provides that vehicle at 650-650. And you can also find us at Sportsnet 650 on the Sportsnet app. You know your homework assignment. Canucks in a song. We'll hit the music coming up in a few minutes. What song best sums up the Canucks performance last night in the nation's capital? And also, 7.30 this morning, fair or foul? Send us your take. And we'll let you know if it's fair or if it's foul coming up at 7.30 this morning. Well, Pear, what's the old expression? Sometimes you paint a Picasso and sometimes you paint a barn. Last night, don't, it was a barn. Yeah, I don't know if it was fair or it was foul last night. Right? Is it fair you pick up two points when you were that bad? Uh, is it foul that, no, you, you, you should have you should have been beat 6-1 and you don't get it. But, you know, you play so much hockey and you play some good games and you, you sit there and it's so hollow. Yeah, I like how our team played. If we keep on going with that, things are going to fall the way. I thought they were bad. On a night when we had six teams playing in the North Division, if you had a chance to look at any of them, I thought the Vancouver Canucks were probably the worst team of the six. But you take it, you wake up this morning, and all of a sudden you're set to go. So, uh, you know, for the Canucks, take the points. uh, Forget about a practice and see if you can get the four that you wanted to when you get to Ottawa. I'll tell you what. Does it not feel like it's a bit of a market correction, though, last night? When you consider, I mean, it's easy to sit there and point out to the fact that, hey, you know what? They didn't play very well. But they won, right? Like, how many times have they been the victims of bad luck? Hey, look, they've been absolutely pummeled in games this season as well. But for the first time in a long time, the Canucks have had, like, the hockey gods smiling on them, right? They finally found a way to win. Now, look, you want to credit one guy? It's in goal. It's Thatcher Demko. Doing it again and again and again. His nine, his save percentage now up to 920 pair. But this is a, at some point to be good, you got to be lucky. And to be lucky, you got to be good sometimes. And in this particular case, they've got a goaltender who is absolutely on fire right now. And he's the decisive factor for them skating off with two points last night against a Senators team that absolutely tilted the ice in their favor last night, but couldn't come away with the win. 
The uh, the owner chiming in last night with the tweet, uh, Francesco Aquilini saying, quote, not sure why we were so dismal at the start of the season, but the wins are starting to come, and man, what goaltending we're getting. Well, that's why you're winning. No, not in all times. You know, we've talked about it regularly, and I don't know if, if we've used the complete, that's a complete steal from Thatcher Demko. Didn't deserve it. He's kept them in some games, but they played okay, and then they found something with some momentum on a power play or whatnot. That was a complete steal by Thatcher Demko. And, and you know, kissing the post, we'll play Canucks in the song. Uh, I wasn't going to go, but I, I did go back and go, hmm, should I make this my submission? Some old school disco ring my bell because there were six crossbars and goalposts behind Thatcher Demko. Now he can argue, ah, I didn't give many of the net, but he was lucky. And Demko, here's the one thing from Thatcher Demko. He is on such a roll right now. We debated it, what was it, two weeks ago when they had back-to-back against Winnipeg? They'll have that situation later at the end of the week when in Montreal. You play this guy till he drops right now. He is in such a zone. If he can individually allow you to climb back now that we know Petey's not on this trip and you won't see him at all, you run with Thatcher Demko because it's been absolutely unbelievable. And, and like it or not, you know, March right now for every Canadian team, the Canucks got the best record in March. They didn't deserve it last night. So thank, thank the Stars. Go right. Let's get that much better. Tomorrow night to see if we can get the four points. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, though. Uh, we've seen instances in the last couple of years where the Canucks ride their goaltender a little too hard. And I, I'm a big fan, and I'm a big believer in what I'm seeing from Thatcher Demko. And I said it again last night. <laughs> term, buddy, term. I know you're not ready to go there with Thatcher Demko, but look, with what he's doing. But I do wonder at this, at this point in time, is there room to give this guy a break? You've got five more games before the Canucks have a week off after March 24th. So that's a week from Wednesday. So they'll play next Wednesday against the Jets. But before you get there, you've got the Senators again tomorrow. you got a back-to-back against the Montreal Canadiens where you know Braden Holtby is going to play one of those two games and his first game. Well, why, why? Why does he have to? If Thatcher Demko's great tomorrow... If you give him the first one Friday against Montreal and he continues to be great, why do you have to? You're playing, you're playing against the odds, but why wouldn't you go, you know what, we're, we're going to roll it. And if you're tired, that's on me, rather than go with Holpe for the first time in two weeks and, and let him suck on Saturday. See, so here's my thought. I, I would be inclined, because I'll tell you why, Pear. He's faced 126 shots in the last three games. So? That's over 40 shots a night. Right? Like, that's that's a lot of rubber that that guy's facing night after night after night after the three games, right? So here's how, here's how I would approach it. Look, I, I think ultimately it's do or die for this team right now, right? So I think you ultimately have to probably continue to roll out with Thatcher Demko. But I'm going to say this. I would sooner give him Friday off and play him on the Saturday night and give him that two-day gap coming up this weekend so he's got the two days. So you play again tomorrow night against the Senators. But again, like, this guy's been busy, right? It's not like it's been a ho-hum sort of victory or business as usual where you're facing 18 shots and you're skating off with a win. Like, this guy is standing on his head night after night after night. 126 shots, P. Like, that's a lot of work, man. That guy is grinding in goal. Yeah, and then he's going to get five days off. I understand you're using conventional wisdom. All right. He's played so much. We've got two goalies. Here's why. But when you need everything, 
if all of a sudden you play Braden Holpe, and let's pretend Braden Holpe has been like he has been for the last two months. He struggles. You lose Friday night to the Habs. You're all in on Saturday. You've put your season on the line on Saturday. Where if you play Thatcher Demko Friday night, and he's going up at Gary Price, who's got like a 1.5 goals against in March as well. He's found his form. You play him and he wins on Friday, you kind of got house money. You know, presuming you win tomorrow, you've won three of the three, three for three. You kind of got a little bit of house money. I would go with Demko one more time and go, you know what? How are you feeling? I can do it. I did it against Vegas in the playoffs. I can go back to back. They were pounding shots at me left and right. I'll go one more time. I would play that one. It's not the conventional play, but if I've got the best goalie in the NHL on an absolute roll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just play him and play him until he's got nothing left. And if I, I'll take all the responsibility if I'm Travis Green on Saturday. If Saturday night I've gone, you know what? I probably should have played Holfi, but Demmer said he was okay. He's been so good. Uh, that one's on me. I'd rather go that way than throwing Holpe in in the first game against that. And, and you know, are, are you are you concerned at all about the risk? Look at Jacob Markstrom, right? Like Jacob Markstrom broke down, mm. and we saw that here in this market when he gets overworked. Happened again in Calgary just a couple of weeks ago with the Flames, right? They continued to ride, ride that horse, ride that horse, and all of a sudden the wheels kind of came off, right? Kind of broke down. And they lost him for a few weeks and had to rely on Big Save Dave. Well, you know, in that sort of event, at what point, like, do you flog? Hey, I get, man, there's a week off coming up, right? But there's five more games, and you're about to start a stretch of three and four nights coming up tomorrow. Uh, well, let's hear what Thatcher Demko had to say about the amount of hockey and the amount of shots he's facing as a member of the Vancouver Cup. feel good. Um, no complaints there. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, I think it's – um, pretty obvious if you get more shots, you're going to be maybe a little bit more tired, but uh, it's part of the job. It's why we are in good shape. He feels good. Part of the job. Still go with it. Well, and you know what? And I think they have no choice to, right? And that that's the reality. Um, you know, a lot of people texting in here already bright and early at 650-650. Uh, how about Dave and Abbotsford? Um, I'm so happy the Canucks won that game for Demko because that second goal was his fault with that glaring attempt. Vesna trophy talk yet. I, I think this team needs to be in better shape standings-wise to be in that position to have that conversation. But, man, started seeing it a little bit last night on social media, right? That they're... Look, Marc-Andre Fleury, what a year, right? 936 save percentage. Andre Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, probably the best goaltender in hockey right now overall with what he has done, backstopping to a Stanley Cup. And there's a guy who played, like, every game in the Stanley Cup. But, man, like, look at Thatcher Demko now, right? Kind of right near the top 10 now in terms of save percentage overall. And his save percentage continues to climb and it's pretty remarkable what we're seeing now a 920 save percentage on the season and doing it you know you look at what Nedeljkovic in, in Carolina you know he's fourth overall in save percentage he's only played nine games right there's a lot of guys in front of Demko that might have a better save percentage but those guys have played only a handful of games compared to what Demko's done now with 21 games on the season but this guy has continued to get better and better and better you know, another guy who get who's getting better, it seems like, these days, or at least looking at a guy that you need to, to rely on, it's Blue. We called him Blue yesterday on this show. Alex Edler, leading all defensemen in ice time again, pair. Close to 25 minutes again, right? Down the stretch. Who do you need? You call on Blue. 
Alex Edler, Steady Eddie. Can I ask you how how uh, how wide's the Rideau Canal? Uh not that wide. I'm gonna say uh probably depending on what part, man, let's say three hundred feet, four hundred feet. Like can the would the Canucks be throwing cross-ice passes around that? <laughs> like, uh, honestly, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Alex Edler was there, but the mindset, and he, even, he, you know, he was on the ice for Thatcher, Thatcher Demko when he tried to rip it around the boards. Uh, their veteran players made so many bad mistakes, but who makes, who makes the fewest mistakes? Yeah, Alex Edler. I, I just think mentally uh, a lot of guys were not there. Credit to them to go into that locker room after 40 minutes and go, how are we leading this hockey game? Two one, and to bounce back and play fifteen solid hockey minutes in the in the third period and, and get the win, but yeah, Alex Edler is, is what he is. He's he's the one guy they can go to. I, I bought into Travis Hamonic and what he can give, um, but just mentally they weren't there. And it was a hockey team, you know, as Travis Green said, right throughout the lineup. At least they were consistent. Everybody kind of goes, yeah, I wasn't good. I wasn't good. Brock Besser to me struggled. Probably one of the worst games he's played in a month. Yeah, I, look, I, I think there were a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes for this team that just, you know, being way too careless, nonchalant with the puck. And I think it's evident that, hey, look, you're 5-1 and one without Elias Pettersson right now, but Petey needs to get back. This team looks somewhat lifeless at times without offense. You've got your best offensive weapon that's been sidelined. And at this point, didn't really get an indication that he's coming back on this trip either. And there's still three more games on this trip, you know, you got five more games before you got that break, as as alluded to. Quinn Hughes, man. I mean, what a you know. Let's let's give some credit here, pair. What a finish by JT Miller in overtime. I mean, what a feed by Quinn Hughes, and Miller just absolutely walking Brady Kachuk. But Quinn Hughes, man, another yo-yo type game. Played under twenty minutes last night. You know, Quinn Hughes, it has been a struggle defensively this year. You know, as much as we want to pump this guy's tires for the offensive dynamic that he has brought to a franchise that has never really had that sort of offensive weapon on the back end, man, defensively, he has taken a about three strides back this year. And to see him get walked by what? By Zoom? What? <laughs> Who? Yeah. Who in the blue hell is that? What Zoop? That's, a, that's exactly what Zoop. I was thinking. No, you know what? Tomato hey, soup. We've got to talk about it all the time. And I'm going, who is Zoop? What is Zoop? Um, yeah, listen, they didn't deserve to win the hockey game. It's as simple as that last night. They were not the better hockey team. But if you've got a goalie who can do that for them, take full advantage of it. Um, and they did exactly that. JT Miller with his thoughts on, okay, how do you think your team played? He was awful. Thanks for the OT goal. But I'm sorry, JT Miller was awful. Kind of admitted it afterwards, post game. Can't take them lightly. We knew that going in. They've been playing really good hockey. Uh, you know, they work really hard and they have some skill that can get you when they force you into mistakes. So obviously, we gave them a little too much tonight. We know that. Um, obviously, we're in a position where we need two points. So we'll take that and move forward. But we'll learn from our mistakes and we just need to be better the next time we play. Um, and we've been good at responding whenever we haven't brought our best. And, um, and like you said, when we were bringing our good game and not winning. I think you know, what goes around kind of comes around. So we understand we need to be better, but we'll take the two points. James, there's just no room for error. Uh, you know, without PD in the lineup, there's just not a whole lot of room for error. I, I think they're better. They're better because of it. Maybe the efforts more. But when you're when you're slogging like that, that's when you need that superstar to do something special. That's how they won the games in the postseason. 
grind, grind, goalie's great, goalie's great. Give them one opportunity, someone's going to snipe. It would be number 40. And you go, oh, hang on, I can't believe we're in this game. Uh, but, you know, as JT Miller said, we weren't good, uh, but they got the two points figured out for tomorrow night. By the way, thank you for getting out of the bathroom here and uh, joining us on the show. I, I was heard that there was some kind of issues reconnected, so uh, thank you for that. My apologies to everybody as we've got all the techs on board here. Uh, Travis Green uh, kind of echoing a similar sentiment that a lot of you watching this game uh, felt last night. Here's Travis. Well, I'm happy we won the game. Um, I didn't think we skated very well. I didn't think we passed the puck very well. And uh, our goalie gave us a game. So there's Travis Green. So onwards and upwards. Hey, you stole one last night in the nation's capital. Uh, go figure the team playing the second leg of the back-to-back was the better team last night. 46 shots on goal, and yet still not enough to get the two points as Thatcher Demko, the big, big difference maker in this one. Uh, lots to get to over the course of the morning. We're going to head to uh, Ottawa coming up uh, in just about 45 minutes. Uh, we're going to check in with the stars of the Wally and Mathot show, Brent Wallace, who was – one of the voices uh, for Ottawa sports here uh, for a lot of people across this country. Uh, Brent Wallace will join us. He's got a new show, uh, podcast, uh, alongside longtime Senators defenseman Mark Mathot, who, boy, I, I feel like Mark Mathot is looked at in some high regard here in this market, who was such a stabilizing force for the Senators with Eric Carlson for so many years. You know, and I want to ask Mark here, Pear, coming up uh, in about 45 minutes, you know, what are the keys to playing with somebody like that? Because I think the Canucks are still trying to figure out the ultimate recipe, right? I think you had something with Chris Tan of last year, but look, I, I don't think anybody really thought it was a great idea to commit four years to Chris Tan of at 30 years of age, based on the injury history he had throughout his twenties, right? So you need to find that stabilizing force. But Mark Mathot was clearly that guy for Eric Carlson to do his magic and win, what, two Norris trophies mm -hmm. over the years during his time with the Senators. So that's coming up just after 7 o'clock this morning. Yeah, and I don't know if it's uh, – I, I think at some point we we feel it's easy. Um, you know, remember Shen comes in here and after a couple months, go, oh, that's the perfect fit. Quinn Hughes, the families know each other. Uh, then then Tanif carries it. By the way, Tanif very good yesterday for Calgary in, in getting them across the finish line. Um but I, I like what Travis Hamannick has done. Travis Hamannick, for me, has actually been more offensive than I thought he would bring. But I don't, I don't know if it's easy as we just assume. Go, okay, there you go. Here you go. Eric Carlson, give him the puck. He's going to go. Uh, I'm going to play everything smart. You're never going to see me pinch. But we'll see. I, I like that Ottawa team. You know, I, I like that Ottawa team. We've talked about it, James. There's a lot of young talent there. And, in fact, when this one came to overtime, you thought, you know what? What are we going to see? We're going to see Sutter and Pearson out there again for OT. Uh, I like the kids from Ottawa, the way they can skate. Uh, but curious to get Mark and, and, and Brent's perspective on a hockey team that I think fans have, have bought into. Um, and there's lots to be excited about for Ottawa from years to come. All right, uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we'll get the, the music. Uh, time for Canucks and a song pair. Here's my song Where'd you that go? sums up last night. Well, you know how I always love to bring it back to wrestling. Ugh. But Somehow, I'm thinking, way, yes. I'm thinking, John Cena, your new favorite actor here in Hollywood. But John Cena's theme song sums up Thatcher Demko right now. My time is now. Come on, pair. I know you know the words, right? Here we go. You go. You can't see me. My time is now. 
Has John Cena peaked as an actor? Not, not even close. Not even oh, close. you don't think? He's got an HBO series that comes out uh, based on a, a character from the movie Suicide Squad, and uh, that's going to be an HBO series. And the value of that comic's already starting to skyrocket for the first appearance of Peacemaker that he plays. So you'll see him in Suicide Squad that comes out, I believe, later this year, and then the HBO series. But Thatcher Demko, man, he's the franchise. His time is now, and that's what I'm summing up my Canucks in a song last night with. Uh, Mike Canucks in a song. It must have been last week because I don't know if this was in my head. Did we somehow get into a Nickelback conversation? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we did last week. So after the game was over and, and they got, got through it, I didn't think they were the better team, but they pick up the two points and Nickelback was in my head, looked around and said, you know what? I'll find some Canadian content for us, some boys on the West Coast with a little bit of Save Me. Show me what. A lot of wrongs, not a lot of rights, but we're saving yesterday. Thatcher Demko, my Canucks in a song, a little save me. <laughs> Alex looking at me on the other side of the glass right now, and he's just like shaking his head so disappointed. Why, Ferry? <laughs> Why did you make me play that? Because it works, right? Last week I gave you guys a little Michael McDonald. This week a little save me. Oh I am, listen, somehow, some way, if they beat the Habs, I'm, I'm going to find a Celine Dion song. <laughs> I found my theme. Yeah, you're you're basically clearing the dance floor. That's you're the you're the DJ. It's like all right, yeah. The it's reason, like everybody fired up. We're gonna slow it down. The reason we talked uh, about Nickelback was because I was throwing Andrew Walker under the bus for saying that you it, should play Nickelback in the hockey dressing room. So you want to be in the same category as Andrew Walker, Perry? I tell you, that was my theme, Nickelback. Nickelback, Ugh. a little Jose Feliciano next week. I'm going that way. I'm. There'll be some share. There'll be everything as long as the Canucks keep on winning. Save me. Hey, it fit. <laughs> it worked. 650, 650. Get your submissions in. Uh, some good ones already starting to uh, to fly in here. Uh, we'll get to coming up in just a little bit. It is 22 minutes after uh, 6 o'clock. Hey, your Canucks commute coming up just after 8 o'clock. Sportsnet's Dan Murphy will join the conversation as well. As we mentioned, just after 7, Mark Mathot, Brent Wallace uh, from the nation's capital will dive into uh, a little Senators and uh, just the idea, the dynamic of playing alongside Quinn Hughes as well. That's coming up as well. Uh, coming up in a little moment, uh, uh, the ongoing saga of the future of Jake for 10, and that continues. Plus, oh, it's a packed house. Yes, they're packing the arenas again for sporting events south of the border, and you won't believe who the first is. That story and much, much more. All still ahead here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Can you provide any evidence that this team hasn't quit on each other, this coach, or its fan base? I don't know what you want me to say, Mike. It's it's not a good result tonight. Like, I don't know what you want me to say about that. Love the group of guys. Love the coach. You, you know, the result isn't good enough. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 28 minutes after 6 o'clock here, and there's uh, Sam Reinhart uh, being uh, taken a task by uh, Buffalo reporter Mike Harrington after the Sabres now winless in 11 games. They've been outscored 47-17 in that span. 
What an absolute mess. And it's it's almost like an annual rite of passage, right? Where the Sabres now kind of go through a double-digit losing skid here, Pear. And, and no end in sight here with this team. Yeah, uh, that wasn't exactly a softball question. But if your team's on a losing streak, how do you... How do you answer that if you're Sam Reinhardt? I got a lot of time for Sam Reinhardt. Uh, he is not alone on a lot of people who should have a finger pointed at him. But, you know, if, if you've lost 11 in a row, uh, is the only evidence in pro sports is likely win. Uh, they get New Jersey, I think, tonight. I don't think the Devils have won at home in like 10 games, so it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I don't know how they fix that in Buffalo. Uh, you've, you've kept on changing coaches. You've changed management. I guess they'll probably go back to another coaching change. But, you know, is that one man's, you know, one's man junk is another man's treasure? You look at some of those Sabres and you go, would it fit everywhere? Um, would they fit? But they come with some price tags that are of market value that they're not giving you anything from a market value perspective right now in Buffalo. Well, and that's where you wonder where some of these trades are going to have to come in in the offseason, I would think, right? Where you're, you're looking at, I mean, look, the Eichel one has been floated out there, what, from last offseason? This feels like there's an end coming, but, you know, the health issues now surrounding Jack Eichel that have been, you know, kind of wide ranging that he could be done for the season. He could be out long term, but he is out for the foreseeable future here uh, for the Sabres. But, you know, you look at Ristolainen, who's been with that team and a polarizing defenseman, but plays a lot of minutes. And, you know, another name that we don't mention enough with the Sabres, but do you guys not remember all the hype and the hoopla surrounding Rasmus Dahlin? Right. Like and all well, that sure. sort of magic. I mean, he got tap danced around last night on the back end. But this was a guy who was deemed generational talent. Now, perhaps the most overused phrase in sports these days and not just hockey, but baseball, football, basketball, generational talent. Do you guys realize how many generations there are? Not a lot, right? So, like, I think we need to pump the brakes on the whole conversation of generational talent. But, man, you know, three years after the fact, Rasmus Dahlin, remember this team was supposed to be tanking for Rasmus Dahlin? Pair? Rasmus Dahlin, maybe not what I think a lot of people expected because at some point you'd like to see some growth from this team, but does he not feel like a forgotten piece in Buffalo, Rasmus Dahlin? It was amazing, the hype, and it was, a lot of it was because he was such, you know, the quiet guy that you weren't going to get much And you from. covered him in the Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah. In the Olympics, he was there. I can remember Sportsnet going over to Sweden and doing a long piece with him. He was going to be Victor Hedman. The question I have with him, he's only 20 years old, is, is how do you develop in that atmosphere, right? You just had the reporter asking Sam Reinhardt, like, show me evidence that you haven't quit on the organization, you haven't quit on each other. How do you grow? I, I mean, I think the list would be long to line up for Dalene to go, yeah, no, we want him on our team. But if you're a quiet personality in which we had this conversation yesterday, even about a veteran like Alex Hedler, the quiet, sweetest personality where you're just going to go about your ways, you know, you wonder what he's thinking when he heads home to Buffalo. Going, What's going on here? Um, you know, I, I think because of it, James, we don't talk about it much because it's uh, there's so many other issues in Buffalo, overpaid guys and Eichel wanting out or does he want out back and forth they go that it's just kind of quietly he's sitting there but has he progressed in any sense it's not like you're seeing any great highlights or him being a shutdown guy yet i say again he's 20 
But you're right. Uh, that's been a terrible environment for him for the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think the Sabres have ever quite figured out their goaltending situation since Ryan Miller departed and what we're talking, what, five, six years ago since Ryan Miller left town. Um, it is a starting lineup here on this Tuesday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski with you. Uh, how about this story from the UFC and Dana White with this announcement last night, Perry? What's up, everybody? UFC President Dana White here, and I have been waiting a year for this day to tell you we are back. UFC 261 on April 24th will be in Jacksonville, Florida with a full house of fans, full capacity at the Five Star Veterans Memorial Arena. How about that? 15,000 fans packed inside an arena. And of course it's happening in the state of Florida in just over a month from now, five weeks from now, the UFC running uh, with a huge main event uh, with uh, Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal, but man, oh man! Um, of course, it's Florida. I, I, and I, and I will say this: yeah. like we're starting to see announcements all across um, the United States now. You know, I think even in Seattle, Seattle sports are going to start to have twenty-five percent capacity, and and places that were just absolutely ravaged uh, in in the U.S are now starting to have fans come back, right, and and make their way back slowly but surely in 20%, 25% capacity. I think we're going to hit a point here in the next few months, pair where I think we're going to have a lot of grumbling Canadians going, man, like, where's this vaccine coming for us? At the rate that we're going, I think the doors are going to be open way sooner in other parts of the world before we ultimately have the doors open uh, up here. Yeah, I I don't know if we're going to be grumbling. Um, I, I think if you could allow 25%, we've had people text, hey, you know, are the cucks ever going to let people in? I, I think there's, it's been so tough for the past year for people to go watch something. Uh, you know, we're lucky in our job. We've both been to the rink to watch a game, and it's just nice to get away and spend it. You just want to stay home. Sh- you just want to stay home, don't you? No, you know what is it? You know, listen, I am not going to be jumping into, hey, there's 18,000. I'm going to be that guy who's a little hesitant. I'll, you know, when all of a sudden I'm going to sit and I don't know the person sitting beside me on the right and on the left, I'm going to be a little slow with it. Am I surprised Dana White's full on? You know, you say 25% here, 30% there in the States, and he's all in. Five weeks' time, we're going to have 18,000 in that building. And guess what? The UFC crowd, they will be there. I'm not sure, James. People can text us 650-650. How quickly are they jumping in to sit side-by-side with someone? I think it's almost like we've been trained not to, like, mentally you're still walking on a path, right? You see someone I was running the other day, and people are still giving yourself six feet, and we're outside, right? So I think the mentality isn't going to switch real quick. I don't know if it ever switched over in the States and some of the places anyway. So not shocked he's doing it. I, I think it'll be somewhat surreal to go in an environment that is packed the first time we're all kind of back into that sort of scenario. It, it, it will feel weird because we have completely retrained our thinking to maintain a space and a distance, right? Um, you know, I feel like outdoors will be easier than indoors, but I mean, that day is coming sooner rather than later, right? I mean, it's probably very conceivable that the, that the Vancouver Canucks could have a packed house come opening night in October this fall for the 2022-2023 season, right? I mean, it's I think that's at least the hope, right? And I think south of the border, you'll probably see full stadiums for the National Football League, and there's going to be, what, 60, 70, 80,000 fans that will have no concern about being back there in a packed arena. I, I think September we get back to normal and there'll be a lot of people who will choose not to. 
but when you're looking at a fan base, you'll see masks still in the stands and people texting in. Fans in the stands is a good thing, boys. Why are you scared? No, I'm not saying I'm scared. I think there will be people who will be hesitant, uh, but it's coming. And, and leading the charge, of course, Dana White, who was going to keep on fighting and was taking everything to a reserve and was trying to buck all the laws that were going down, you know, 11 months ago. Uh, so I'm not shocked that it's UFC. He wants to be the first guy, right? Dana mm-hmm. White always needs to be the first with what he's doing with UFC. And that's fair enough. Yeah, another text coming in here two weeks after my second vaccination shot. I'm down for anything. Uh, all yeah. right, 637. Let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. Irfan Gaffar reporting a couple of Canucks tidbits on Monday, suggesting that there's been minimal to no conversation between Tanner Pearson and the Vancouver Canucks over a new deal in the last 10 days. And then Irf dropped this little tidbit, or nugget, if you will, about Jake Vertanen, which he shared right here on Sportsnet 650's Reach Deep. I don't believe, unless there's an offer that comes in that, you know, Jim says, okay, that th- this is what I think that we could do. This is going to help improve our team. I don't believe that Jake gets moved here leading up to the deadline or at the deadline. So, Jake staying? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? So, my first thought when I heard this from Earth was, is this simply posturing? And then there's another thought. Who's actually pulling the strings here? When it comes to Vertanen, he's the lightning rod for conversation starters in this town. It's right up there with weather and bike lanes to start a conversation here in Vancouver, right? Bike lanes, weather, Vertanen. No particular order. But how did we get here? It's been over a year since Shotgun Jake's flirtation with 20 goals. Bubble Jake had just three points in 16 games. And here we are now, and Vertanen has three points in 27 games this season. In the last year, that's six points in 42 freaking games. And in this now infamous quote from last summer from Canucks general manager Jim Benning. I was expecting more from Jake in the playoffs. Like, he he can skate. uh, He's strong. He can get to the net. um, And, you know, he's a guy that we're going to have to you know, talk about here moving forward. Um, we've been patient with him and his development. And, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I was, I was expecting, you know, to, to produce more for us. So despite a dismal postseason and being called out publicly, the organization still rewarded Vertanen with a two-year extension, backloaded next year to where he'll make $3.4 million almost a million dollars more than his actual cap hit of 2.55. So how can Benning reportedly suggest that he needs to channel his inner Don Corleone and expect another GM from around the league to think, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. So I've got two conclusions here, right? One, this is all just simply posturing, plain and simple. It's Benning trying to play poker. And then secondly, the Canucks might actually appear to be leaning towards a buyout for Jake, which actually makes a lot of sense. So our own Satyar Shah first suggested this a few weeks ago, and Harmon Dale from The Athletic also wrote about this in The Athletic, detailing the economics of buying out Jake and how it makes so much sense. So rather than pay the full $3.4 million, 
the Canucks could simply eat the $400,000 signing bonus and then another million dollars for the buyout, which, hey, look, in fairness, it's not nothing in the current financial landscape for pro sports, but the actual cap hit next season would be only $50,000, followed by another $500,000 in 22-23. And guess which team needs money immediately and some financial flexibility this summer? You guessed it, the Canucks. So it prevents the Canucks from trading one problem for another at a minimal cost in the big picture. Like, I get that Vertanen has played a little bit better as of late, but despite the increased opportunities, he has still only put up points in just two games this year. Two! We're 27 days out from the NHL trade deadline. Jake Watch continues. Whether it's on high alert, well, that remains to be seen. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Along with the Jake watch, it's the Pod Colson watch as he starts the second round in the KHL, and you think you have an automatic guy on the wing in Pod Colson if indeed he gets here and gets to display his wares and how he may fit with this team immediately. Then Jake Vertanen steps even farther down in the depth chart, right? Uh, Niels Holglander has already passed him. If Pod Colson passes him, I think you look at it, but you know, the fact that Jake Vertanen is not bringing any offers right now, that's not a surprise. Who's the GM making that phone call going, you know what? That's, that's the guy we want. I mean, Jake has his reputation. He could be good. They've waited five years in Vancouver, hasn't shown anything and hasn't done anything with great opportunities in the last couple of weeks to say, Hey, he's your guy. So right now, Jake Vertanen is serviceable and serviceable. Shouldn't be a guy making 3 million next year. And if buying him out is their one way out, uh, then I, I think you're right. That's the conversation again they have this summer to go, are we completely giving up on a guy like that? But you have to know what's coming before you can go, all right, this is, is uh, we don't need it anymore. Right now, Jake Vertan is surviving because they don't have anything coming. Uh, John O with the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650650 uh, for Jake. Nobody's paying $3 million on his uh, year two. And uh, another one just coming in. Uh, shut up. Enough with Jake. There might have been a typo that might have been more reflective of a poop emoji there on that one. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Weather, bike lanes, and Jake. 643, uh, Wally and Mathot, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot, former Senator's defenseman, will drop on by to join the conversation just after 7 o'clock. And in a moment, Pear, is it BS or is it PS? I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be texting Tom Brady. And that is not BS. We'll explain on the other side. 6.43 on a Tuesday morning on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. It's Sportsnet 6.50. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just P.S. With Perry Solkowski. Some uh, facts and figures for you, not BS, just PS for you on this Tuesday morning. You know, the Canucks forwards only combined 10 shots yesterday against Ottawa. 18 came from the blue line. But there's one guy who is who we thought he was. Let's get one thing straight. This is Shooter's turn. I've worked hard my whole life, paid my dues, and now it's Shooter's turn. That is Shooter's turn, and Brock Besser is a shooter. Among NHL players who have taken 70 or more shots, Brock Besser's 19.4 shooting percentage is the best in the NHL. 
James, you have wondered for a year or two, what's Brock Besser? He's a guy who can score when he has the puck on his stick. Yeah, he certainly can. I mean, this year has been a huge bounce back, right? Looking much, much more. In the, in the big picture, Brock Besser looks more like the guy from his rookie season than he has when he kind of sleptwalked through the last two years prior to this season. Yeah, but while he was sleepwalking, he was understanding the game better. So he hasn't lost that touch, and he's kind of alluded to it. Feeling healthy this year. Um, hey, I've got some things to do. This isn't BS. I'm going to text Tom Brady because that's a fact now. I've been talked into giving out my cell phone on the internet. So listen, rule number one before we get into any of this, no texting on game days. Really though, what this is, is it's a tool that will allow me to communicate more directly with my fans and my followers, uh, where we can actually do a better job of responding to you and your questions and all the great messages. Now, before you go thinking Tom's going to be on his phone and Giselle's got to run around with the kids because he can't put his phone down, uh, this is a company that's called Community. Several Hollywood stars and athletes are doing it. Essentially what it is, like I guess Brady will or someone handling Brady's phone will text back the odd person, but when you do it, you're also going to get some stuff on TV12, some merchandise and all that. A different way to communicate in 2021, and Tom Brady is that guy. Maybe selling tequila shots if you text Tom Brady. Why do all my co-hosts on this show just have the biggest man crush on Tom Brady, right? We launched this radio station working alongside Steve Darling. Steve, huge Patriots fan, huge Tom mm-hmm. Brady guy. And here we are now in 2021. And Pear, you got you, you got like a man crush on Tom Brady, right? No, I, I appreciate him more after he stumbled and bumbled out of the, uh, you know, when you're throwing the Super Bowl trophy over water and you're pickled. I mean, Tom Brady's has gone up in my mind. Hey, I love the success story. And and he's been a story that said, is it the coach? Is it me? Got nothing wrong with him. I'm going to text him. You cheer, I don't know you, if you cheer for back. all the underdogs, eh? Brady, Tiger Woods, um, LeBron. Anybody? Listen, am I, I missing anybody? 27 years in Vancouver, <laughs> flying, covering the Canucks. Uh, exactly, huh? Huh? Okay, I, that's, a good, that's a good point. I accept that. <laughs> P.S. Pick your poison when it comes to Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois. Who do you like when it comes to the Final Four? Duke is missing. An alumni like Zion Williamson could care less about the tournament. Who you like in this upcoming tournament? Trick question. If Duke ain't in, I'm not interested. <laughs> okay. Hey, I love your loyalty. I'll tell you what, James, you talk about me cheering for frontrunners. I have never cheered for Duke, never liked them, but they're kind of the New York Yankees of college basketball, and they're not in the tournament. Zion has some people that probably feel the same way. You know, if you're you're either on Team Duke or you're not, or you're not right? And I hated yeah. Christian Leitner back in the day, yeah, right? Like, I there. was a Michigan Fab Five guy. I mean, I, I was all about... Ray Jackson and Jimmy King, and I'm going to have all my loyalty behind Juwan Howard's Michigan Wolverines once the dance starts on Thursday. But, uh, yeah, count me. The only time I ever found myself rooting for Duke Pair was when was Grant that? Hill, when Grant Hill okay. was there for his senior season, and it, it was basically him. I mean, Cherokee Parks was there too, but it was basically Grant Hill 
against the Arkansas Razorbacks in 94. Man, I had so much respect for Grant Hill, just showing me what a great baller he was. Uh, it's too bad he didn't stay healthy in the NBA. What a great career. Uh, got, you know, kind of lost it a little too soon just because of a health standpoint. But, man, Grant Hill was a baller. Hey, P.S. Miami Heat, they're on a roll right now. They've won 10 of their last 11. They are gelling, coalescing, as one reporter put it to Jimmy Butler the other night. Does it feel like you're coalescing as much as the record shows into something? I mean, 10 of 11, pretty special. Don't do that. Come on now. What the hell does that mean? I mean, you've won 10 of 11, so you're, you're obviously showing how good you can be, I would think. Oh. Well, you said a big word. You, you confused me. Oh, coalescing. Uh, that means coming together, congealing, gelling. Could have just said that. James, ever in all the interviews you have done and I have done, have you ever never. used the word coalescing? Never, never, like, never What never. was the reporter trying to prove? Well, uh, this this works. Uh, you keep using that? the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, man. Hey, you're gelling. The chemistry is great. Coalescing. Hey, Jimmy's part paying attention to the question and go what are you asking offside on the reporter there we got fair foul coming out that was foul read read the room yeah I, yeah no, like, on, like if somebody if somebody dropped a coalescing with you would you have been able to drop that definition i knew i would understand what he meant but i just go that's a strange way of using the word coalescing yeah uh, i, I feel yeah. like i probably would like I, I just it's never something i would use uh, no, no, it's not a common phrase. Yeah. I'd, or, probably, or, I'd probably kind of, huh, huh, huh. But I think most of us would get it. Especially, guys, nowadays when you actually don't get to be eye-to-eye contact with the r- reporter player, right? He's just listening. Hey, you've won 10 and 11. You've gelled. Have you ever seen this kind of chemistry? Hey, guys, I just want to say but, I feel like we've really been coalescing as a group in the last few weeks. I just wanted to come up. That's have. a big word, man. That's a big word. It is a big word. All right, five minutes to 7 o'clock. Uh, Mark Mathot, former Senator's defenseman, has got a new show alongside Brent Wallace. Uh, they will join us the conversation uh, from the nation's capital as the Canucks pick up a big overtime win over the Sens last night to keep their winning ways going. We'll get into it next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Here's Hughes through the middle for Miller. Off the bench, he's in alone. JT Miller to the forehand. He scores. JT Miller in overtime. He scores his eighth of the year. And the Canucks take the second point tonight in Ottawa. These guys are here to break it all down. I think in in general, we've played pretty well for the last 17, 18 games. We've probably had three games that we didn't like. It's nice to get a win when we probably didn't play our best. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after 7 o'clock. Zabalski, uh, Solkowski, uh, get your submissions in for fair or foul at 7.30 this morning. Uh, 6.50, 6.50, the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of people also chiming in, Perry, on the use of uh, coalesce. Uh, one person saying, I'm sorry, are you saying intelligent people shouldn't use proper English? Is it not worse to assume that an athlete wouldn't be smart enough to know what that word means? Mm. I feel like I would have probably kind of raised an eyebrow if somebody said it to me just because I don't hear it enough. Jono is an English teacher, a uh, regular listener. He chimed in saying, as an English teacher, coalesce is a good word, but a terrible use in a question. That's kind of what's surprising. I mean, we have sat in scrums and, 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 you know, 
scrums at world events, but it almost seems like uh, there was an attitude from the reporter to say, listen, I'm, I'm smarter than everyone I'm talking to, so I'll use it. So it just seems strange. We've been doing this for a long time. So Jimmy Butler handled it and just said, well, what do you mean by that? You don't think you're prepared for that, right? Uh, Canucks pick up a uh, a win. Uh, they squandered another two goal lead last night. Pairs that wasn't pretty. Uh, as they give one up late, as uh, Colin White totally redeems himself from that awful turnover. Man, get he, uh, the guy who figured out the tonic to cure the goal scoring drought and woes of Tanner Pearson, mm-hmm. who put one right on the tee at point blank range. Uh, but he gets one back late to force the overtime. But the Canucks still find a way to pull it out. JT Miller with the OT winner as Thatcher Demko stands on his head once again and allowing the Canucks to come away with two points. I know some people have kind of suggested that, hey, look, everybody else is winning in the North Division, but you look at the gap now in in the All-Canadian Division pair, um, the gap is narrowed. Right, like the gap has narrowed overall in the standings in the North. Right, like there. And look, I don't think that the Canucks are going to catch the Leafs, but man, we were talking almost a twenty-point gap not that long ago between the Leafs and the Canucks. It's a ten-point gap now. But you look at where the Flames are. The Flames are one point ahead of the Canucks. The Montreal Canadiens are three points ahead of the Canucks now, holding down that fourth and final playoff spot in the North Division. And even the Oilers that seem to be far, far away, you know, they're six points ahead, right? So all of a sudden, it's not miles and miles away. The gap has suddenly become compressed, I feel, between kind of sixth and at least third third spot in the North. Even Winnipeg is now six points. And look at how good Winnipeg's been as of late. You're right. I believe the Leafs came to town after beating Edmonton, and they had an 18-point gap on the Vancouver Canucks. We thought, man, they could they could leave 22 points ahead. It's not there, but you need so many things to fall in place for the Canucks unless, you know, if they get the win tomorrow night and go in and can take two from the Montreal Canadiens, then they are back in it, right? And even the games in hand, with the exception of Montreal, they lessen. They've, they've been the best team in the North Division since March. They've been able to coalesce in March. But can they continue? They were terrible last night. Like, honestly, when this team goes bad, they go bad in a big, big way. And they did yesterday. Mentally, the mistakes they made, thank goodness for Thatcher Demko. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And it seems like a stretch, but uh, it's different. Can you imagine if they go 4-4 four for four on this trip? They are now in the conversation if they continue with that kind of a role. Well, I mean, the math, if you go back a couple of weeks ago, the thought was, hey, look, they're going to have to basically go 21 and 10 down the stretch to kind of be in that conversation. And if you look over, what, the last eight games, they've essentially done this two out of three, winning two out of three, uh, if you break it down into three-game segments. All right, uh, six minutes after 7 o'clock, they are the stars of the brand-new Wally and Mathot podcast. It is uh, a guy who was probably one of the authoritative voices on Ottawa sports uh, for a lot of people across this country for the better part of the last quarter century. He is Brent Wallace and also former Ottawa Senators defenseman Mark Mathot, who joins us uh, this morning. Brent, Mark, good morning, guys. See you, Paul. Salkowski, how are you? Good, boys. How are you? Great. You guys haven't strangled each other yet, what, three episodes into your new show? That's because we're not together in the same room. (laughs) (laughs) It works, trust me. (laughs) We've started to coalesce better, though, I can tell you that. Ah, well played, well played. Mark, do you even know what that word means? 
So I'm just I'm just tuning in right now, guys. Can you hear me? <laughs> we got you. We got you. Yes. That's a good answer. That's a. This is what I have to deal with. <laughs> well, I was I was sitting around waiting for a phone call, and then I'm like, I just randomly decided to check my email, and there's a link that I had to click on. Nobody told me I had to do that. But you sound so good clear. And clear. <laughs> Wally's just mm, yeah okay. Brent, let's start with you. Uh, what'd you make of last night? Uh, we stole one out west, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we had I, as a, as the Sens. I mean, they we had fifty shots on goal, I think, or at least close to that uh, by the buzzer. So I, I thought Vancouver was a little sloppy. I, I, having said all that, I hadn't really seen a whole lot of them play. But um, I mean, you guys, like, they're leading the league in PIMS. Um, they're thirty in goals against, so things aren't really much better. I don't believe over there. Granted, you guys have a bunch of injuries, so I guess there are some excuses. Wally, how'd you see things? Well, the problem is with teams, they're finding out if you let Ottawa hang around, then then sometimes can come back to haunt you. And so, yes, Vancouver didn't play a very good game, but they also had a two-goal lead, and they had a chance to walk out of there with two points instead of – I mean, eventually they did, but instead of giving up the late goal. And so Ottawa just won't go away. They'll play hard till the end regardless of the score. And so that's – that's how they're getting their wins. But at the end of the day, Vancouver is always going to be a better team, regardless of how many shots on goal they had last night. And Ottawa's whole method is just fire pucks from everywhere and get them on goal. So they tend to always have some kind of high shot value if they can, especially at home. Mark, as a guy who played in this league, is there an excitement around what the Senators have? Or are they in a perfect position to play pressure-free hockey because no one's expecting much from this young group? Yeah, I think you nailed it there with pressure. And certainly starting off um, with with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, there were some years there where there was like, there was literally no pressure on us. So it you also elevate your game in those you know instances. And you're not really worried about the media skewering you or the fan base because the expectation level. So I think it's almost to an advantage as a young player here for the Sens right now, as far as growth goes. Um, I think it's in their best interest and it's allowing them to play a little bit with a little bit less pressure behind them. And um, I, I'm so excited to see what this group can do in a couple of seasons from now. we got a lot of young players driving the bus right now. The guys like Kachuk, Batherson, Schott, Stutzla, Norris, White, I, I, the list goes on. I know we have a couple big prospects coming up as well and we may get a, a night what they can do this season if not next. So I'm pumped future Ottawa. Uh, Mark Mathot, Brent Wallace with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, go figure it's the media guy with the better Wi-Fi connection. Uh, Wally, that's a <laughs> yeah, true, true member of the media there as we still get uh, Mathot acclimated <laughs> to things. But, hey, but Brent, tell me this, man. Like I was, I thought DJ Smith at the start of this season was dead man walking behind the bench and just the way that this team got off to the start. But man, like I, the way that this team has kind of rebounded here over the last, what, six weeks, you know, man, I, he's got to deserve some credit for what he's done with these kids where you look at the scoring leaders, it, it's all the kids up there. It's Kachuk, it's Batherson, it's Stutzla, Shabbat, Nora. I mean, not that Shabbat's a kid anymore, but, man, the, the kids are all kind of lumped into that group together and they're all kind of right at the top of the team's scoring race. Yeah, and there's, and Seaball, there's a couple of things here. One is... 
DJ Smith was handed a terrible roster to try and win with. So I, I never thought for a minute that his job should be in jeopardy. Um, he's got to try and mold these kids into playing in the NHL, and he doesn't have a whole lot to work with. So number, so secondly, he wants to win every night. So he's going to do whatever he can to try and win every night. But when you've been given guys that aren't up to snuff and can't skate anymore in the NHL, like they you know, brought in Braden Coburn and brought in Cedric Paquette and brought in Derek Stepan and all these guys at the end who just couldn't keep up with the pace and they wanted to make sure that they played more minutes than Stutzla and White and Norris and these guys. Well, that's the problem. They're finding out now that these kids can play better than those guys, and so they have to take a step back. You know, Artem Anisimov is back on their taxi squad. They just can't use these veterans anymore. But DJ Smith does get credit, or he should get credit, for at least making this team competitive because they, I don't think the management has done a very good job in trying to insulate these young guys with veterans and that includes yeah. matt murray who just has yet to find his game and has ultimately struggled and been part of the key reason why this team only has 10 wins in 32 games mark for you what's the difference between a young superstar now like we see in stetzel and and, and what you saw in kachuk than there was when you broke into the nhl is the mindset different from the young stars that automatically come in and light it up than they were when you broke into the league yeah, that's a really good question. And, and it's night and day, because when I came into the league, the average age was significantly older, right? I mean, you had a lot of older vets that were hanging on to their jobs for a lot longer. And I think a lot of that had to do with the overall uh, game itself. Um, it, wasn't as, it, wasn't, it wasn't near as fast as the game is today. So players are coming in and they're expected to be an impact player right away. And certainly that applies to your, your, your first rounders and any high prospect coming out of college. Um, I think the, the, the whole idea now is like, what can you do for me to be a better team? And I think that's sort of the approach management is taking. And, and I think players have a, a more of an opportunity to do that just because of the new, uh, the new NHL. It's all speed. There's less clutching and grabbing. It's maybe not quite as physical or at least not physical in the same regard that it used to be. So I think that's probably giving you a better product overall. It's certainly a lot more exciting to watch. So I mean, it's a good opportunity for these kids that are coming in now. They're, they're able to come in and legitimately turn into a you know first-line player um, impacting the game in many ways that maybe you couldn't you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago. Mark, I want to keep it back to you. Uh, Mark Mathot and Brent Wallace with us here on Sportsnet 650. You know, Mark, I don't know if you ever get love on social media from fans here in Vancouver, but you're kind of like a unicorn player out here with the perception of the success that you had playing alongside Eric Carlson. And there's that type of Carlson dynamic player here in Quinn Hughes. And Hughes, I think everybody loves what he can do offensively, but it's a work in progress defensively, case in point, last night. What is the secret to success to being a good supporting a, a, the, the old buddy cop system, right? Like what's, what's the good buddy <laughs> cop? If you want, you know, your dad was a police officer. Actually, your dad was my dad's boss at one time on the Ottawa police many moons ago. So oh, no. <laughs> what a small world that is. Um, but, but no what's, the, what's the secret to success here? Um, when playing alongside a, a, you know, a dynamite wonder kid, case in point, like a Carlson or, or here in this case in Vancouver, like a Quinn Hughes, how, how do you make it work from your standpoint? Uh, it's, it, it's a lot different now than it would have been, let's say, 20 years ago. We'll have to get that off the table right away. I mean, you can't just place a big lung, lumbering D-man and expect him to try and keep up with these new young skilled players that are coming to the league, certainly on defense. So um, in my position, when I was with Eric, 
you know, there were a couple of things I had to do. I had to be able to keep up with them. I had to be able to skate. <laughs> I think that's an undervalued trait as a stay-at-home D-man. I think you have to be sneaky fast um, only because you're expected to cover over when they're always pinching or jumping up into the rush. So being able to make up for that ice is crucial. And, and obviously um, being able to move the puck well. I know with, with Eric, I was always fishing pucks out of the corner, winning battles, having to hit him in the middle of the ice from the D zone. So it was funny. It almost, it almost always gave me two options. I had the low center that I could hit the winger, I guess, but ideally you want to go to the middle. So I'd always have the centerman or Eric Carlson, and he always wanted the puck. So I think as a stay-at-home D-man nowadays, certainly if you're trying to compliment a young, skilled player like Hughes, is you got to be able to keep up with them and you got to be able to make good decisions with the puck. And I suppose – those players aren't exactly available all over the NHL. And you got to, in many cases, groom a player up like that through your own system. Uh, but they're out there. And, and I know that nowadays you just, you got to be able to move out there. And that's something that's probably my biggest takeaway from watching players. Now, if you want to be a good support player, you got to be able to keep up. Mark, with thought Brent Wallace joining us on the starting lineup, Solgowski, Sobalski. Uh, Brent, let me ask you this. I think when you look at the Canadian teams, as far as ownership, Vancouver and Ottawa are probably the two places where you hear the most from the owners. Uh, Francesco Aquilini tweeting last night that didn't play well in the beginning. Great win for us last night. Haven't heard a whole lot uh, about Eugene Melnick. And boy, that's something that we haven't said for three years. Has that been the plan? Has he done much or has he just kind of went into the shadows, which might be a good thing for this organization? I'm pretty sure that's by design that the organization would prefer he not be at the forefront and to be fairly in the back, uh, not making any waves. And so you've seen Anthony LeBlanc come in and kind of try and be the voice of the franchise for the most part, and Pierre Dorian on the hockey side. But um, I don't think there's any secret that that's by design by the organization for sure. Uh, give me the sense of the feedback so far since you guys have launched this show here, Wally. Greatest show ever made. I think that's what... Uh, <laughs> You're humble, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. Two <laughs> thumbs up. Um, it's It's been really a, a surprise, to be honest. It's, it's overwhelming. And One, I didn't know or didn't see this coming about six weeks ago. And two, um, how much they res, you know responded to our show and how much people really, really like hearing from Mark and what he's got to say. And Mark likes to rile up fan bases if he can. And uh, he's just got a really good knack of being able to explain it to people in a really simple term without big words like convalescing or coalescing or whatever we want to use. And so <laughs> I really like that about the way his approach is. And I just try to steer this bus until we get from point A to point B. But really the guests that we've had on and, and Mark being able to break down hockey has been uh, it's been a treat. It's been a lot of fun, I will say. Where can we find the show, guys? We prefer the YouTube channel just because we have such a great team behind us uh, of Craig Medallia and Adam Wood who've built this show and they made it. I'm a TV guy, James, and yeah. lots of leftover makeup. And so I prefer <laughs> to be on camera. And um, and Mark, he's okay. I mean, he's got the same haircut since handsome, 1982, but he's guy. okay. He's a handsome yeah. guy. So we, we like to we like to try and drive it on our YouTube channel, but it's also on Spotify and on Apple and eventually on Google if our... Google account ever works. Uh, Mark, for the Canuck fans, uh, do they have reason to believe they could turn this around in the final 20-plus games? <laughs> we lost Mark. He's, if we're not talking Ottawa Senators, he's not listening anymore. <laughs> well, on <laughs> See, that note. Is, now you understand how this show is actually being held together. <laughs> yes. Okay? 
Uh, Wally Mathot, thank you. Yes, exactly. It's duct tape, it's glue, and stick to the YouTube channel, everybody. Uh, Brent, nice to catch up. Mark, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, you guys stay safe out there, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. See you, boys. Enjoyed it a lot. Thanks. There he is, Brent Wallace, Mark Mathot. And I'll tell you what, Pear, um, I love what Mark had to say with respect to the keys. Like, it it is not just cut and dry finding, you know, a, a depth guy. Like, it requires a lot more skill than one thinks initially to find that stay-at-home defenseman that can work alongside a dynamic skilled player. Case in point, Mathot's relationship with Eric Carlson on the ice, and I think what the Canucks are going to ultimately need going forward with uh, Quinn Hughes. And you know what? And it's going to require capital. Somebody who can skate, somebody who is responsible, and who can also make a decent first pass out there as well. Well, that was the the one thing that surprised me where he said, and hey, you have to be able to skate to play in this league. But you think if you're playing with the Quinn Hughes, all right, just just get him the puck and sit back at home. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot more complicated than those would think. Oh, anybody could play with Quinn Hughes. We can, you know, Jordy Ben's been able to do the job. Uh, not that simple. And yet, I think as you saw with Mathod and Eric Carlson, who really to me hasn't been the same since going to San Jose. But even there, um, in San Jose, he had local guy Brandon Dillon with him for for a while. Uh, it's something you want to lock down, right? Is Travis Hamannick that guy now? And do you do you invest in that to go, hey, here's our pairing for a long time? Not as easy as I think people assume. Look who's here from uh, down the hall at News 1130. And I'm in studio today, and this oh is the first time in a year that I I've see. seen you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Face oh, my gosh. Face. You guys yeah. can't see it. I have tears in my eyes. Yeah. We, we have a shower curtain in front of us here. Yeah just blocking us but man yeah it's been a year wow nice to see you buddy you that's too. crazy virtual hug virtual hug yeah. distant hug yeah perry you're fine over there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i saw you a couple months ago that was enough for me barely you like popped your head in and was like hey and then you walked away yeah it's something so she was so excited to see someone other than me in the studio you yeah. guys balak you're you become like chopped liver yeah she, she never gets that excited <laughs> right who hey does James. that, does that yeah. mean does that yeah. mean you have like good news and and positive stories this morning? Um, sure. The Canucks one that's positive. Yeah, that's it from the news department. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it depends on on what when we're talking about right when it comes to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Bonnie Henry says that she hasn't released details yet, but says in the coming weeks she will allow. Uh, people in religious groups to gather outside only in small numbers. We don't know what that number is. Is it 10? Is it 20? We don't know. But hopefully just in time for Easter for a lot of people, that's going to be a really big deal. But we'll get those details likely next week. So that's good news. That's another step forward. Um, The National Immunization People said that those 65 and plus can get the AstraZeneca shot, even though everyone's scurred because of the blood clot thing. But Health Canada is like, it's fine. It's a different batch in Europe. They're looking into whatever they're doing. So... Um, those are two good And things. I think in fairness, uh, of the millions of doses, yeah, like we're talking about only a handful of people that have been impacted, It is scary, right? though. I mm-hmm. Sure, get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, right? I get it. But um, Health Canada is really adamant, and the PM was asked about it yesterday morning, like, ooh, JT, you know, it's scary. And he was like, it's fine. It's fine. He didn't say it like that, and no one called him JT, but that's, that's <laughs> sort of the gist of that conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, it's safe to get the AstraZeneca shot. If you're up for your vaccine and they give it to you, it is safe to I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not saying no to it if, it's, if it was offered to me tomorrow, pers- personally speaking, but yeah. I'm not 65 plus, so no. I would But I Perry would is, that. so Perry, you know, if that's for you. <laughs> I, wow. Well, hopefully he does get that one. 
Yes. Uh, so is your hippo we talk, yeah. we talk with Scotty Brown every Friday about realty. Man, it, it didn't slow down. You guys seeing each other for the first time in a year. Yeah. There are so many people that I know just thought, you know what? They hadn't bought a home and they figured this was going to be the time. Uh, it hasn't happened, has it, Sonia? No. So I think everyone thought, including the National um, Housing Agency in this country, that, look, we'll have the pandemic. Uh, the housing bubble will finally burst. People who don't have access to get into the market will be able to do that. But it's been the complete opposite. And they've even admitted fault. You know what? We screwed up. We thought everyone would be able to get a chance to get in, and we can't. Housing prices right now are insanely high. It is a seller's market. And really, you know, to to get to the point here, it's people who already are wealthy, who didn't lose their job during the pandemic, mm-hmm. have extra money to spend because you can't travel and you can't go anywhere yeah. and you can't, you know, buy another yacht. So then they've been able to invest in the market and it's driving prices out of Yeah, control. this isn't international money this time around. No, Five years ago money. that we were all yeah. kind of blaming, like this is all like domestic, yeah. local. and yeah, It's no, like it's... you and me, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, making yeah. it rain. Yeah, it's no, usual. but it's but I think I, I know for us, like from a suburban standpoint, mm-hmm. and and Perry, you can probably relate to this as well. And you're you're in suburbia as well in Coquitlam, yeah. I think, Sonia. And, yeah. But just how I think a lot of people in the city have looked and said, you know, got this two bedroom townhouse, and I'm feeling cramped, and I'm going to suburbia. Now they might hate the commute in about six months when everybody's going back in, but people have found the opportunity to be able to work from home. I think a lot of employers like it, and I think people are going. Man, look at the value I can get for the size of a house now uh, in suburbia. And to have that space based on what we've just experienced for the last year, I think it's changed a lot of people thinking from, you know, from a city slicker standpoint to more of a, a suburban sprawl. Suburbia. <laughs> so it's a couple things. BC-wise, the, the most like bumping area right now is the Fraser Valley because people realize they yeah. can work from home yeah. and they can actually have a home without having to live in a shoebox in downtown Vancouver without the ambulances going by. So that's what they're doing. A lot of people are shifting out to the valley. And the other thing that we saw is that out of the entire world, this won't shock anyone, the second most affordable city in the world behind Hong Kong is Vancouver now. Second least affordable. Least, least affordable. sorry. Well, uh, Vancouver is not, not second most affordable. <laughs> Everyone's moving here. Wait a really? minute. But, uh, another bubble bursted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Least least affordable. It's early. It yeah, least, no. least affordable is Vancouver. And you know what? If you have a home here, uh, you should be so lucky. Because most people, it's. I think what's happening is the gap between the haves and the have-nots is growing larger and larger. Huge. And, larger. And, and, and but you know, there's all. But it's also, you know, somebody made a great point to me about this about a week or so ago, right? It's also a personal choice for us to want to be here, right? In the sense that, and look, you want to be here close to your family, your friends, where maybe you grew Snowboarding. up here. But yeah. but you know. Somebody made a point and said, like, look, I could live in Regina and be mm-hmm. debt-free and not have to work another day in my life and have my yeah. mortgage paid off yeah. and all of it, but I choose to live here and I'm going to have to work another 20 years of my life and be mortgaged to the hilt, but this is because I choose to live here. Well, Yeah, that's... but James, you can't make that choice now. If you're young, like I wouldn't have been able to make this choice 25 years ago if the prices were like they are now. No, right? I know, Pear, but I, I, I think it's, but I think people are still doing it, right? Like that's the reality where a lot of people are still making that decision to say, I want to be here. I think you've got the bank of mom and dad that are also helping co-sign for yep. some loans as well. And some families are able to be able to do that for their kids. But I think there is still a personal choice to say, you know what? 
I'm staying here. I want to be here. Families are doing whatever they can to help try to facilitate that in order to maintain, you know, uh, a quality of life here on the West Coast, no matter how expensive it is. I mean, we've, we've seen blips and blobs in the past of people picking up and leaving. I know people, several friends who have moved to Alberta because they're like, hey, I can afford groceries mm-hmm. And hydro. This is incredible because yeah. it's just unaffordable to live here, especially if you want to, you know, settle down, have a family and so forth. You just can't. You just can't afford to live here. And, and I've heard people say, well, it is the sunshine tax. You have the mm. beauty of the mountains. You have access to everything. It's a stunning place to live. And that's yeah. what's so funny. It's we're one of the most you know, wanted place to live, but it's completely unaffordable. Mm-hmm. So you're like, what's the trade-off? We're going to Telegraph Creek. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> it. All right. Uh, nice to see you. Thanks. You too. Nice to see you. Oh, it's been yeah. a while. I know. Uh, I know. Looks so well. Get, <laughs> getting all misty I over know. here. I know. I'm going to start blushing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Star hotline there, Aslam. Uh, Sonia Aslam from News 1130 just down the hall. Hey, we're playing fair or foul in a moment. Get your submissions in. We want to hear your take in the world of sports. Anything goes. Dunbar Lumber text line open at 6 5650. We'll share our fair or fouls next, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Allen and Mission with this submission. Little Bee Gees. And that was what the Canucks were doing again last night, just staying in it. Not really gaining any ground as both the Montreal Canadiens pick up a big win. I'll tell you what, Carey Price looked great last night. Tyler Toffoli, yep. goal number 16 now on the season as the uh, the Habs maintain. Is it 17 goals now, sorry, for uh, for Tyler Toffoli. And, uh, and then also the Calgary Flames. Uh, with a victory over uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Andrew Mangiapane, by the way, leading all flames with even strength points with 12 since the beginning of February. I love that guy's game pair. And and watching him this year, he is the one flame that to me is the most noticeable in all the head-to-head matchups with the Canucks and the Flames this season. Just love the way that that guy competes. It's kind of like Tyler Mott with a little more offensive upside, I find out there. Um, Just shows up. A guy who's kind of a rags-to-riches story, but uh, Flames winners last night, Habs winners. Uh, so the Canucks still three points back of the Habs right now uh, with a double shot coming up later on this week. Yeah, uh, work rate is what uh, Mangiapane brings all the time. I think he's a Sutter guy. 3-0 and with Sutter are the Flames now. They've, they've played better, and, you know, we're wondering what kind of ground are the Canucks making up. You know two massive games against Montreal when you can make up those points against the Habs. But as long as they play well and you see the Flames – you know, uh, you're battling with the Flames, but you also, when the Oilers lose, you bring them back in their sights. So um, take the win for the Canucks, in which I thought they were absolutely brutal for about 45 minutes, but Thatcher Danko stole them one. And as simple as that, and and no one was sugarcoating it. They weren't good, made some really dumb mistakes, but they left with two points. Fix it with the practice today, and then see if you can get the four in total and leave Ottawa and the nation's capital with you know that winning percentage that they have to come up with. Uh, you know, so no games in the North Division tonight, but uh, it's the same schedule essentially tomorrow night. So the Canucks and Senators again tomorrow uh, on St. Patrick's Day in Ottawa, and then you've got uh, Montreal in Winnipeg again, and then you've also got the uh, Flames at home to the Oilers once more. Ready to get into today's edition? A little fair or it. foul? Six fifty, six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. If you've got your take, and we can decide whether it is fair or foul. Fair or foul, boys. Thatcher Demko could use a break. 
foul. You play to win the game. He plays tomorrow. He plays on Friday. And if he wins on Friday, you huddle up with everybody and you say, Thatch, what do you think, man? Do you got one more in you? That's what you do. He plays until he loses. He is in such a zone. It's not his decision. It's not the coach's decision. He plays until he loses. Let's get Greg Ballack here on the other side of the glass as our, our, our goalie guru. Back up Ballack here. Come on. give me, give me He'll a... play on crutches. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you want him to do that, Perry. Unless you want him to, I would say uh, you should probably give him a rest one of these days. He's not only playing almost every single game, but he's getting 40-plus shots most of those nights. He's going to burn out. You need to give him a rest at some point. That's 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 the only concern, right? Uh, 126 shots he's faced over the last, what, three games alone. So you're talking mm-hmm. 42 shots a night that he's averaged over the last three starts that he's had. Uh, he's been great in every one of these starts. He's the decisive reason why this team's winning. But, man, he needs some rest. I, I hope he's going to get one of those two games against Montreal in the back-to-backs later this week. But, I do wonder if they need to make a play here to say, look, this guy needs to get some rest here with five games to go before the week-long break pair. Fair or foul, boys. The Washington Capitals up 5-0 on the Sabres, put out their fourth line on the power play. That's fair. Fair. That's that's general practice. (laughs) If you're a coach that doesn't want another coach to be really angry with you after the game in a blowout, I I would say that's general practice in, in most leagues. It's an insult. It's no, an insult. No, an insult will be it's putting your first insult. power play unit back nah, in. Nah, keep on going. Keep on rolling. It's not your problem. The competition is terrible. Fourth line found a foul. Wow. No mercy, eh? You've been watching a lot of Cobra no. Kai. Step on their necks. <laughs> Sweep the leg. Balak. What's well, gotten into pair, man? I don't know. He's, he's all cranky. the cougar, all the cougars up in Anmore, man. He's he's it's, it's like it's a, Walking Dead. Well, man, it, it is survival up here. Yes. <laughs> Barry's taking a turn. Uh, fair or foul, you guys. The Sabers have announced that they will be hosting 700 frontline workers for their game on Thursday against the Bruins. That's just cruel. Haven't these people suffered enough? <laughs> yeah. Dealing on the front lines of COVID and now subjected to watching a team winless in 11. You're right. That is a total foul on the Buffalo Health Authority and the Buffalo Sabres organization. Yeah. Give them a choice. <laughs> Don't say there's free. T- Do you want to go? Which organization? Give them tickets to the Bills. Right? They're exciting. Don't give them to the Sabres. Lacrosse? No they got the Bandits there, right? I'd rather go yeah, see Lacrosse. Yeah, you can play the Bandits. Yeah, right now, the Sabres are lowest on the totem pole as far as what you want to watch in Buffalo sports, I'm sure. Uh, fair or foul? Alex Ovechkin, who did this last night. To the middle, a shot here, and he scores! Alex Ovechkin goes high and picks it up and puts it in. It's 6 to nothing, Washington. And Alex Ovechkin has tied Phil Esposito for sixth all-time in NHL history. Alex Ovechkin with a piece of history in Buffalo, New York tonight. All right, so there he is. He catches Phil Esposito last night, but fair or foul, Ovi will catch Marcel Dion for fifth all-time before the end of the season. He needs 14 more goals to catch Marcel Dion this season with 28 games to go. Uh, 14 to 28, one every two, and he hasn't actually lit it up. He'll get on a streak. I'm going to say that's fair. Yeah, I'm going with fair, too. Yeah. All, all it takes is one big night, and that's an easy, easy get for a veteran. Four goals in the last five games for the grade eight. 
Um, fair or foul, guys. In overtime, goalies should be able to roam and negate icing calls. You know, the Canucks won yesterday when Tyler Myers iced the puck in overtime and the ice, the whistle blowed, and then they won that faceoff in their own end and they ended up scoring. To me, possession is what OT is about, and that icing play by Myers actually won in the game. Change the rule. Let goalies say, no, we don't want that icing. I'm going to touch the puck. Foul. I'm way, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> okay. more, Balak, man. as a goalie guy, did you understand me? No. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. You ice the puck, right? Automatically it goes across, you know, icing. You don't have to touch the puck, right? It's, it's icing. You've iced the puck. But possession is the key in overtime. If in overtime the goalie could have skated out and the court goes, you know, I'm, I'm actually touching that puck. And we're gonna play it, but you can because um, I want to keep possession. Why right? can't you just well, you go? Have to you go in front of the goal line and you stop it before it gets to the goal line. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> it, you you can't if it's if it's hammered down the board, right? Okay. Yeah. Just it's foul. a whistle it's that just, gave. Uh, the, it's a that. whistle that. It's a whistle that gave the Canucks the win because actually, <laughs> when you're tired, he didn't mean to, but you know what? They got the guys. Uh, they kept the guys on the ice, but they got their break and they were okay. Text here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Perry, clearly the coach that would yell at the girls if they kick the ball out of play or if there's an injury on the field. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, if the whistle's not blowing. Like, did I hear the whistle? No. Perry's That's coming in with the Galaxy the brain today. He's got all the ideas. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I loved about the Saturday night goal. There's no whistle. Keep digging. Hey, fair foul, you guys. I'm sticking with Sabres-Devils with my theme here. Okay. Uh, tonight might be the toughest game to gamble on of all time. The Sabres, they've lost 11 straight. The Devils, they've lost 11 straight at home. The game tonight is at the Prudential Center. Which team is less inept? Which 11-game streak is going to an end tonight? Take the, o- take the over. <laughs> <laughs> no. take There's the my under, Can they both lose? Is that a possibility? <laughs> Probably, yes. The NHL will put. You know what? The NHL is going to postpone the game tonight. There's going to be COVID <laughs> oh. protocol. Uh, fair foul. Braden Holpe is making more money than Tyler Toffoli. Sign your text, people. That's a foul. Uh, foul. Yeah, that, well, that, that's foul. Don't that judge is. someone by their contract. Well, but, I mean, you, well, you can't. it's hard not to, though, right? It's hard not to separate, you know, and, and look, I mean, how would we be viewing Quinn Hughes this season if Quinn Hughes had an 8 or $9 million AAV attached to him? My right? contract sucks. Right? You know, would he, would he, would right. be, you know, would we be judging Quinn Hughes way more differently this season. And I look, there's a lot of Quinn Hughes fans, and he does a lot of wonderful things offensively. But, man, he's been a liability defensively this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I think you could go through NHL, every NHL roster and find, what, about four guys that are probably overpaid just because of the market? Uh, you know, it, it's timing. It's 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 everything. You talk about Sonny. It's you know, is Tyler Myers a six million dollar guy? No, but when you're the only right-handed D-man available as an unrestricted free agent, you get the money and you get it real quick. So look from there. Hey, this is good from uh, Minor Matt Nabbs for fair or foul. There's too many personalities in Sportsnet 650 that are way into wrestling. Matt, that is so fair. <laughs> like that is so fair. Like everybody in this station loves the wrestling. Well, People are allowed to like what they want. Well, Bal- Balak's not. You're not a wrestling guy. I have muted every no. single wrestling term on Twitter that I could possibly. So think. there's uh, myself, there's you, uh, Richio, Batch, Bachelor, Richio, Randeep. There's only about That's four. Enough. There's only about four of us, I think. Yeah, but the the fact is, you guys talk about it constantly, so it's like everything comes back to wrestling, right? Yeah, well, yeah. all of those references, every single one of them goes right over my head. I just hope you guys know that. You never heard of like smell what the rock is cooking? 
Come on. The basic stuff. Yeah. Give me a hell yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You do the deep do cuts, you? though. The deep cuts. Yeah, exactly. For the for the, the real fans, no. <laughs> to the OGs that are out there. Uh, okay, 7.44, your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. Dan Murphy will join the conversation as the Canucks continue the winning ways, uh, picking up a 3-2 overtime win over the Ottawa Senators last night. Uh, 6.50, 6.50, the submissions have been pouring in all morning long for your Canucks and a song. We'll hit the music, and we'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 6.50. <laughs> I really think the best players I can tell that's available out there right now is Eckel. You know, that's the kind of guy that we're talking about right now, and he's a guy that could tip things. Depending on where he ends up, it, it really strengthens someone. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There's Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet Hockey Insider on our sister station, Sportsnet 960, the fan yesterday in terms of the the biggest fish out there as we are less than uh, a month away from the NHL trade deadline. Matias Ekholm out of the Nashville Predators is the one name. And the asking price, uh, what Friedman is suggesting is two prospects and a first-round pick. Um, but that's the guy that apparently, according to Elliot, that most executives around the league look at and say, here's a guy who can legitimately help. It's a manageable cap hit under $4 million on an AAV. You've got another year, so you've got some control and some flexibility for him. But that's the name right now. That, But the price tag, even in a flat cap world, is still going to be very pricey to give up two top prospects and a first-round pick to get your hands on Matias Ekholm. Possible names include the Leafs, the Jets, the Bruins, all said to be kicking mm-hmm. tires and having interest on a player out of uh, Nashville. Yeah, I, you can't be disappointed if you're not expecting much. I mean, I'm just not expecting a whole lot come trade deadline day. Uh, you know, Obviously, the, the year is not normal. The border situation is not normal. And I just think with salary caps, it, it is not going to be a usual frenzy of, of teams bolstering their lineups. I think for a lot of them, it's, you know what, we're going to stay status quo. We have what we have. But there'll be player movement. Uh, I just don't. I'm not excited to the trade deadline as the point it would be like, here's their push, here's their chance. I just don't think we'll see that amongst GMs. Uh, your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. We'll talk to uh, Sportsnet's Dan Murphy coming up in just a few moments as uh, the Canucks pick up another win. They make it two straight after beating uh, – what, Edmonton on Saturday night, they pick up another win, uh, and one that they probably didn't necessarily deserve. We'll dive into that much more, but uh, a few more submissions here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Jono uh, with this submission for Canucks and a song, he's going with R.E.M.'s Stand. Stand in the place where you live. So you can go in a couple of different directions with this one pair uh, as Thatcher Demko standing tall in goal. And you know what? This team should probably stand pat in terms of trying to make any sort of acquisitions, any foolish acquisitions at the deadline, sell off as opposed to, uh, you know, be a buyer. And some people were kind of wondering, like, you know, does management now get duped into this team right now and look at the idea of adding uh, the way that they are playing as you're, what, 27 uh, days out. I, I, I don't see that. I don't think that's an option at all right now for this team. I think it's about maintaining as much financial flexibility as you can have going into you, the offseason. 
You can go three ways with stand, as in standing around yesterday, which was most of the <laughs> yes. most of the hockey game, right? I mean, they were second best everywhere, with the exception of about a 12 or 13 minute span in a, in a very good third period. But uh, take it, leave. They have to be that much better tomorrow. Uh, Jimmy in Maple Ridge has this. Aaron Pritchett, uh, hold my beer and hold my beer while I kiss your girlfriend. A boy like you. Hold my beer. Uh, speaking of beer songs, uh, Angelo text uh, Angela texting in at 6:56:50, uh, going with that Miller Time beer song after JT Miller's uh, finish last night. Pair, that's been your Canucks of a song in the past. Uh, I know that uh, pick of the old Miller commercial uh, is JT Miller. What a finish, by the way! Like that is a total highlight of the night type goal that we saw with the finish last night in OT. And you knew he would score. But then J.T. Miller and his love for the cross-ice pass is absolutely unbelievable. Like some of the passes yesterday, I mean, man, when J.T. Miller is off, he is really good at being off, right? His decision-making, you go, <laughs> what are you doing coming up with that play? But, hey, the finish was there. He was no different in the postgame. Like, that, we weren't good. We weren't good. Nice play to get around Chuck. The finish was there. Take the two points. But... Yeah, Miller time's okay. Aaron Pritchard, by the way, is a Canucks alumni, always skates with those guys. He was he was on the refs yesterday, and you would think that, and I don't know if it's the same referees, uh, maybe it balances out because uh, Canucks certainly uh, one-man advantage to the four they were giving up. Uh, questionable calls, but they go either way. Uh, all right, six minutes to uh, 8 o'clock here. Your Canucks commute coming up. Uh, just a matter of moments. Dan Murphy joins the conversation and much, much more as the Canucks uh, continue to flirt with their winning ways. That's, what, six of their last eight in the win column. Back with much, much more here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. I think that's an undervalued trade as a stay-at-home D-man. I think you have to be sneaky fast um, only because you're expected to cover over when they're always pinching or jumping up into the rush. So being able to make up for that ice is crucial. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. There's Mark Mathot, uh, former Ottawa Senators defenseman, uh, now co-host of the uh, Wally and Mathot Show, uh, which you can catch uh, and podcast or on the YouTube channel. Um, we'll hear a, a, a a greater context of what Mathod had to say, but just the importance and just the elements required to have success playing alongside a dynamic offensive defenseman. Mathod certainly had success playing alongside Eric Carlson for years in Ottawa when they were together, and it's kind of clearly something that the Canucks need to address and find for the foreseeable future long-term for Quinn Hughes. Look, you're probably at some point going to commit long-term to Hughes, whether it's a big long-term deal this offseason. But the fact is, the hope is that Quinn Hughes is going to be here for hopefully the next 10 to 15 years. You're going to need that stabilizing force alongside. They had success with Chris Tanev last year, Pear, but obviously that wasn't going to be sustainable to commit four years to a guy with a long injury history who's now north of 30 years of age. Still having some success with the Flames, but I understand why the Canucks walked away from that one. Well, I like Mark using the term you have to be sneaky fast because, you know, if the guy's going to go, he's going to pinch, you got to make sure you head into that middle lice real quick. And I think as you get older, um, they'll always say no matter what the sport, if the first step is in your head, you're okay, right? If you have that read... You know, last night the Canucks had 28 shots on goal. 18 of them were from the defense. 
like everybody kind of pinches on that team. So the understanding of your partner is so key. I think Travis Hamannick shows more offense and, and goes deeper into plays than I think a lot of people assume. So um, I, I just don't think it's that easy enough. He's the great defenseman. I just have to be that stay-at-home guy. That stay-at-home guy is breaking up some two-on-ones, and he's got to be in the right position at the right spot. And you're right. As much as they go, how long are we nailing Quinn Hughes down? You don't want a revolving door for Quinn Hughes going, and who's my partner this year? You'll want to have that. Mathot had that with Eric Carlson in Ottawa. Yeah, this is your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650 in this hour, a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Uh, quality start again by Thatcher Demko pair. And, you know, the one thing about Thatcher Demko is, you know, he continues to deliver. Look, Jim Benning's got a lot of detractors in this market, right? It's easy to hate on Jim Benning in, in terms of, hey, look, seven years, where's this team at? And it feels like there's no finish line quite in sight to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender despite the strong play over the last couple of weeks. But something that I don't think he gets enough credit for and where we're at right now, walking away from Jacob Markstrom where they're at, you know, and, and to, to cut bait on making a decision to commit six years and $6 million annually for Jacob Markstrom. I mean, think about where this team's at now, where you would have to leave one of those two goalies exposed or hope to be able to move one of those two in a flat cap world, right? Uh, it, it sucks that they weren't able to get anything for Jacob Markstrom, but I don't think he would have made that move at the deadline last year. But the fact is that it seems like you kind of hitched your wagon to the right guy here in Thatcher Demko. Doesn't it seem that way? I mean, 920 save percentage now. And people are texting and pointing out the, oh, well, look at what he paid for Braden Holpe. You had to, right? You had to because what if Thatcher Demko doesn't get on a run? What if Thatcher Demko isn't that guy? So as much as you can say, you know, six by six for Jacob Markstrom, uh, see, well, that's going to look so much better in a couple years. If you've got Thatcher Demko at three and a half for four million, and then you've got a guy playing underneath him for one, 1 1.5, you know, okay, here's my goalie. I've got the young guy. I've got the backup who's got to fill in once in a while for him. But Thatcher is my guy. He's called it right as of now. You know, he called to fully wrong. But give him the wins and give him the losses. Don't always say all the moves he made was wrong, right? You know, Jake Vertanen, yeah, he's got that wrong. But if you get out of the situation, if Pod Colson could come in and play, he called it right. Hoaglander, they drafted right. He belongs. So you're right. I mean, Jacob Markstrom is exactly what Calgary wanted, but Thatcher Damco has kind of exceeded what the Canucks expected after a slow start when you had Holpe to see if he could find a groove. Uh, Thatcher Damco has been absolutely great, which brings the question. They talked about it last night. I'm playing him. I am playing him till he tells me I got nothing left because you've got a break coming, your biggest break of the season. You need him tomorrow night, and then he goes against Montreal, and you have a real serious decision Saturday morning if he beats the Habs on Friday night. Well, and, and so look, the issue for me is that he has faced 126 shots in the last three starts. Here's what Thatcher Demko had to say in terms of how he's feeling physically after the heavy workload over the last couple of weeks. Feel good. Um, no complaints there. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, I think it's um, pretty obvious. If you get more shots, you're going to be maybe a little bit more tired, but uh, it's part of the job. That's why we are in good shape. I, I grudgingly agree with riding the horse here. Um, 
because I think it's an opportunity to find out what you've got, how he can handle it, and thus far he has handled it with flying colors, right? Um, he has been absolutely brilliant over the last couple of weeks. Um, but he does need a rest, and there's five games to go. The way the schedule sets up, so you're going to play back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Uh, one of those two days, he's going to have to, he'll get the extra day off. I would lean towards if you're going to play him again tomorrow – give him the Friday off and let him play Saturday night. And that way he gets the extra day's rest pair and and Braden Holpe can have the game on Friday. It's not a far commute from Ottawa to Montreal, but you give him that extra day's grace that allows him to kind of refresh and recharge because, man, it's not like these wins and it's not like these starts are kind of a, a malaise in terms of a strong defensive effort in front of him where he doesn't have to deal with a lot of shots. This guy's averaging 42 shots against in the last three outings. Uh, day off today for him. The team is practicing in Ottawa. Tell him to stay away from the rink. So he's got 48 hours to refresh. Play better tomorrow night so he doesn't face 40-plus shots. Then you, you've got the day off as you travel to Montreal. As you said, that's, that's not much of a trip. So you're there. You're okay for Friday. It's spaced out. To me, the decision comes on Saturday. If, and if they've won these games, if they win the next two games, that decision is to go, hey, we're, we're going to play you. Just like you did in the playoffs where you faced an insane amount of rubber against Vegas, you had to play back-to-back nights. If you feel you can do it, if there's a tweak of any kind, you don't play him. But if he thinks he can go, I'd ride it out. Because especially if you win that first one against Montreal, James, that becomes the first time we can say it's the biggest game of the year because they'd be able to pull in front of the Habs and, and see if they ha- they can slowly reel them in and he'd be reeling in others if you've won four in a row. Uh, Bill texting in here at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Hey, guys, can someone tell Sutter don't clear the puck in front of your net off the boards? He's done it yeah. at least two games in a row and cost a goal. And you know what? This has become a bit of an alarming trend over the last little while. Ian McIntyre made this point last night on the post-game show here on Sportsnet 650 and and just how – and it's not just Brandon Sutter. You know, Jake Vertanen's done it. There's been more than a few players that have kind of decided – man, it, that is minor hockey – that is minor hockey common sense, Right. You know, not up the middle, right? Like, don't go in front of your net in terms of taking – why put the puck in danger and harm's way, right? Be smart. Keep it to the outside. Keep it to the periphery. Um, But I'll tell you, I mean, if you look at the last couple of games, uh, it's solid win over the Oilers on Saturday. Last night, um, did they deserve – they stole two points last night. Yeah. And you look at the loss that they had with the Montreal Canadiens uh, last week when they got spanked in that second leg of the back-to-back with the Montreal Canadiens here at Rogers Arena. Pair, two of their last three games, they've been clunkers. Like, absolute mm-hmm. clunkers for this team. And the encouraging thing is, is they picked up four out of a possible six points with two absolutely nightmarish-type games. Um, so it's encouraging that they picked up points, but it's an ugly trend that you got to keep an eye on that hopefully ends sooner rather than later. Uh, it, it all evens out, right? They played some pretty decent hockey games, then they got nothing for it, and it's pretty hollow post game. And you go, oh, we keep on playing that way. I thought they were awful. I mean, I would have put up last night as maybe one of their worst games of the year. The only difference was when they were making those terrible decisions in their own end that they were getting the saves from Thatcher Demko. That could have been a 6-1 game. I think there were six crossbars posed to begin with anyway. So uh, take it and regroup. Got to be that much better. And, boy, you know, when you can't score, you miss a number 40 just for creativity. Yep. 
but they've got it. So fix it and play that much better tomorrow. It's not like Ottawa is going to get that much better. Uh, pick up the two points, see what you can do in Montreal. Uh, Dan Murphy joins us here. Uh, a presentation of David L. Young, Dexter Realty. Um, and, uh, hey, real uh, here, there, everywhere. There you go. Murph, Murph is here, there, everywhere on Sportsnet 650. I, no sign of Petey coming back at all uh, at this point on this trip. Well, no, I don't think if, if he doesn't travel with the team, then you're looking at that same sort of situation that's happened with JT Miller early in the season. Uh, it would have to, I'm guessing, be a private plane. Otherwise, you're a week quarantine if you're, if you're flying um, commercials. So I would say, uh, you know, almost nil would be the chance of him playing the road trip. And then you have to wonder, you know, like when they come back from this trip, they've got two games and then kind of the bye week, right? Uh, so a game on the 22nd, a game on the 24th, and then they don't play again until the 31st. So, you know, we don't really know what this injury is. There's, you know, whispers it could be wrist, or something to do with the arm. At first we thought it was pain management, but, you know, sometimes these things uh, progress where if there's swelling in the beginning and then you have an x-ray later, maybe it shows a small fracture. Well, we're just guessing right now, but, um, you know, I would say that they are probably going to, uh, you know, be cautious on this one. Uh, and, you know, if the earliest he could be back is the 22nd, um, my guess is that maybe we won't see him on that day either because this team will fly back home uh, late Saturday. I'm guessing they'll take Sunday off, and then Monday will be a game. So unless he's skating hard on his own right now, we don't know that, I would even say that maybe the 22nd is a bit of a mystery for, for Patterson at this point. Um, what did you make of last night? One of the worst that they've played in the last, uh, last month? Well, that looked like January uh, Canucks yeah. there, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think they're probably uh, or they were due for a game or two where, um, you know, they they were terrible and, and they somehow managed to scratch out points. I mean, we've talked about February enough. Um, and I think like, uh, you know, recently, as in the last, you know, not this game or, you know, the Habs 5-1 game, but even last, you know, five, six games, where they have been outshot, I haven't thought that the scoring chances have been that lopsided in favor of the other team, unlike last night. Um, you know, they've kind of kept play to the outside. They've dumbed it down a little bit, so to speak, uh, played more defensive. But last night was a, was a, was a tire fire, right? I mean, uh, all those uh, short, crisp passes they're supposed to make, uh, the 10-foot passes back into the middle were missing. Uh, you had guys like JT Miller just throwing it blindly off the backhand through the, the middle of the ice and, um, yeah, it just it wasn't pretty. And, you know, again, I, I think Travis Green is always fairly blunt with his post-game assessment. And, uh, he said last night, we didn't skate well enough, we didn't pass well enough, and our goaltender stole the game. And I don't think you could really sum it up much better than that. Um, they're going to have to be a lot better um, against Ottawa, and especially moving forward against the likes of Montreal, if they want to kind of continue to see if they can claw themselves back into this playoff race. Um, but, yeah, no, last night certainly wasn't pretty unless your name was Thatcher Demko. And speaking of Demko, I mean, I, I'm assuming you just keep riding this out, right? I mean, it's you're in this sort of do or die trying to keep your head above water. Um, you know, at some point, when you can't, you, it's not sustainable to be facing 40 shots every night and going out night after night after night. You're going to need a break, but... Mm-hmm. At this point, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is that the is that the mindset now? Yeah, I don't think you can overthink this one, can you? I mean, I think you got to run with them again tomorrow, uh, unless you know behind the scenes, Ian Clark is saying, "Listen, this guy is you know really needs a break physically or mentally." Um, you know, unless those conversations are being had, then I think you go with them. I mean, no one's going to blame 
uh, Travis Green if the Canucks go out tomorrow and, and, and lose and Demko isn't at the level he's been the last three, four weeks. They're going to say, okay, but then maybe it was time for a break, but we had to go with him, right? I mean, I think this is the, the easiest of calls. Uh, he's red hot. Um, he's saying that he's feeling as good as he ever has. Um, you do have a back-to-back coming up. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think you overthink this one. You go with Thatcher Demko tomorrow, and I think you go with him Friday as well, assuming things stay the same. Uh, and then you give uh, Holtby the Saturday start. Um, uh, you know, again, and I, I just say that, unless uh, Ian Clark knows something we don't or the team knows something we don't, uh, you keep going with Demko at this point. Uh, is it a given, Murph? Uh, I, I wonder if, if, if he reels off the win tomorrow and they get the first against Montreal, I think that's a tough conversation to have unless Thatcher goes, I can't pull it off. Yeah, you assume yeah. he doesn't need to go to the rink today, right? Like, I think that back-to-back, we saw it play out in Winnipeg. I thought he made the wrong call, and it, it turned yeah. out he did. I hope he wasn't good. You know, I think yeah. he could play all of these. You could, you know, and I guess it depends on the workload again uh, tomorrow night and Friday night. I mean, if he has a night on Friday like he had last night in Ottawa, then I, I would say that that's when you have to then be honest with uh, what's better for the club. I mean, historically, statistically, it says that uh, playing the same guy in back-to-back nights is not the right call. But if you have one guy who is running red hot, uh, then maybe you think about it. Um, but, you know, I, I think we have to look at the workload tomorrow and Friday before having that conversation. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm open to that conversation if they win tomorrow uh, and he plays well again on Friday uh, and doesn't get absolutely shellacked in terms of uh, shots and chances, then uh, sure, you know, I'm, I'm open to that conversation. But I, uh, you know, at this point, my thinking would be that you probably you probably should give Holtby one of those two starts. Dan Murphy here on Sportsnet 650. Do you look at this trend like two of the last three? Like this team has been in most games, even when they haven't won over the last, what, five, six, you know, four or five weeks here. They, they've mm-hmm. kind of, they've played much better, I think we would all agree. Um, but two of the last three here, Murph, they like yep. last night wasn't pretty, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, they, no. they benefited from a great goaltender. And then that Habs game, you know, in the second, the second Montreal game last week was, was that was fugly, right? Like that fell yep. out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. Um, is this a concerning trend here or is this, uh, or is a blip on the radar in your mind from what you're seeing? Well, I mean, I think it is a little concerning. I mean, I think in their last six, seven starts, uh, you know, five on five, you know, shot differential is, is heavily in favor of the opponent, and that's not great. Um, and you look at the scoring chances, it's heavily in favor of the opponent as well. But the high danger hasn't been that bad, uh, except for last night in the Montreal game. I, I, I think, too, that you have to take into account, I mean, there's no Patterson at this point. Um, your bottom six is in flux as well. You were without three of your top penalty killers. And, you know, people can make fun of the bottom six all they want. But when you don't have Mott and you don't have Beagle and you don't have Roussel and you're rotating guys that haven't played a ton. And, that's your fourth uh, line, right? Like that's yeah, effectively I mean, that, your fourth line when healthy. It does, it, does make, uh, it does make a difference as well, no matter what we say about the contracts and stuff. So uh, this is a team that's, you know, kind of just, you know, piecing together a lineup, top six and bottom six uh, for that matter. So, um, you know, uh, they, they do have to have all cylinders going to uh, compete with the likes of Montreal. Now, I don't think that, that should be the case. You shouldn't get caved in by Ottawa. And I would say if, if uh, tomorrow's game looks anything like yesterday, then I'm, I'm fully on board with being alarmed by the, the current trend. But um, I think you should factor into just, uh, you know, some of the pieces that are missing, and especially number 40. 
Yeah, and uh, Dan Murphy joining us on the starting line of the Canucks commute. Uh, Murphy, you mentioned, you know, unless there's a private jet scenario, they're not seeing Petey. He's not on the trip. And I know it's difficult. You might have a few more sources. Do you think it's a chance that we see a Mott maybe or a Beagle tomorrow? Are they that close? I mean, they're, they're with the guys. Yeah, I don't think that they would send them if, if there wasn't a chance, right? Because that gives them a chance to skate um, and practice. Um, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not privy to exactly – uh, you know, how close they are. But the fact that Mott had been skating on his own prior to this trip and now he's skating with the team, I would say they wouldn't have brought him along if there wasn't a chance, um, you know, maybe later in the trip. And same goes with uh, with uh, uh, Roussel as well. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but if they're with the, with the players on the trip, then I think that uh, they were taking them with the thought of perhaps uh, getting them into a game before the trip was over. Thanks, Murph. Nice to catch up, buddy. All right, lads, have yourselves a great day. There he is, Dan Murphy, Thanks, Murphy. on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by David L. Young of Dexter Realty, here, there, everywhere. Uh, that's probably the concerning thing last night, Pear, when you're looking at a team that um, you catch an Ottawa Senators team that was playing the second leg of the back-to-back and, you know, I think the Canucks got off to a decent start in the third, but, man, for the most part in this game last night, they were on their heels, right, just absolutely reeling. And and the Senators playing with a ton of energy. You know, the Senators deserved at least a point last night for sure. Uh, Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko, the difference maker. I, Joey Decord was actually pretty good too, but they just, you know, to get, to get nearly run out of the building – by a team that had already played the night prior. And, like, the Senators' schedule lately, like, they played a lot. Like, they just had another back-to-back last week in Alberta, right? Like, they've, they haven't exactly had much in the way of downtime, and they look like the fresher team last night. Uh, Senators have played six back-to-backs more than anybody else in the, uh, in the North Division. So, uh, yeah, they, they could be tired. I mean, Kevin Bieksa told us yesterday, honestly, back-to-back games shouldn't be that difficult, especially if you're not traveling. But they had the young legs. And, and to me, you know, when the Canucks are bad as they were yesterday, I'm always shocked at the giveaways. And you talked about it before Murph came on. I'm always shocked of who they're coming from. You know, from the Sutters, from the Millers, from the guys who have that experience, the Tyler Myers. Uh, they were saved yesterday by their goalie. Uh, will they fix it? Who knows? To your point, they weren't good against Montreal. Uh, they were better against Edmonton, although I didn't see the game as, as much as the coach seemed like they played really tight checking hockey. Again, I thought the Oilers were all over them on the Saturday night, but um, they need to fix it against the Senators team that, you know, will, the effort will be there. But as bad as the – you look at the giveaway stats, James, as bad as it was for the Vancouver Canucks and as egregious as some of the giveaways were, you know, the Senators gave the puck away six more times. And, and Colin White, you know, getting Tanner Pearson off the snide and – and giving him the perfect one-timer in front of the net, which you go, wow, you're in the NHL? Like, yeah, by Wee, you're told not to be throwing the puck right up the middle, the back to the play. It happened yesterday. It was ugly. Uh, Canucks back at it uh, tomorrow night in the nation's capital for the second leg of the double shot against the Senators, and then it's Friday, Saturday night against the Montreal Canadiens. All right, 21 minutes after 8 o'clock, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. Um, hey, the mental game in partnership with our friends over at Movember is out right now. And look, it shows firsthand just how some of the top athletes across the sporting landscape deal with their own mental health in check and, and keeping it in line. And look, I think for a lot of us and what we've been you know, what we've all experienced firsthand over the last year, rechanging our thinking, social distancing, not being able to see our loved ones for the longest time. 
I think it's taken a toll. And it feels like spring is certainly here, a gorgeous sunny day ahead. But, man, it was some dark, wet days over the course of the winter. I think a lot of people have felt that toll. Pear, this mental game in partnership with Movember speaks firsthand that, you know, we're not alone here. A lot of athletes deal with it, too. Well, we were discussing Tyler Maud, and maybe he'll be back in the lineup on this trip. Maybe tomorrow uh, he has really been a spokesman from a Vancouver Canucks perspective about you know, how he needs just to check in and some strategies that he uses uh, with the checklist or reads a book or, you know, you can take the opportunity out on the West Coast to go for a hike. We heard during our show just a commercial from former Blue Jay, Ricky Romero, who was in these parts, of course, and helping with the broadcast uh, with the Vancouver Canadians game. And, and I spent an afternoon with Ricky Romero uh, down at the p and a couple of years back. And, you know, you talk to these guys, James, and for Ricky, he says being with family is what – what makes for him, but you think they're athletes, they're superstars. You're not talking about how you're feeling, but they're no different than you and I. Um, all these athletes and so many people are battling with it. The Mental Game in partnership with Movember. You can watch the full series now at sportsnet.ca slash the mental game. All right, 24 minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, coming up in a moment, Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman weighs in on the future of the North Division. Could we see more all-Canadian matchups going beyond this past season? And Mark Mathot on the importance and what the elements are required to have success playing alongside a dynamic player like Quinn Hughes. We'll get into all of it next right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. 8.28 here on this uh, Tuesday morning. Gorgeous sunny skies, high at 10 degrees here today in Metro Vancouver. Uh, a lot of people jumping in. Island Lover and Brent uh, in Surrey, uh, both uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 6.50, uh both suggesting Pearson, you could hear on the broadcast, screaming White's name uh, before he passed it. So, uh, you know, Pearson also deserves an assist on that goal he scored last night. But that's, I don't know, I think that's totally fair in the uh, the art of love and war, right, Pear? I mean, just, you know, you, you do it in Beerly, you do it in Shinny, you do it in pickup basketball. Hey, hey, I'm open. Uh, you throw it over and you re- I think we've all made that mistake, right? Over here, and you, you, whether you're playing ball hockey, whatever sport, you, you've, you've given it away because somebody's called for it, and then you realize, ah. Yeah, um, and usually it's your 12, and the guy who gives it away is 10, and you've outsmarted him, right, playing peewee hockey. But for, for Colin White to think back to the play, firing it up the middle, is is going to be playing the odds was crazy. Now I know, But that's Ottawa's uh, M.O., like they do that. Right. They, they, they do that an awful lot as a Up the middle, yeah. Yeah, um, there was someone who was rinkside an analyst that said it wasn't Pearson who said that, but Island Lover is not the only one. I know social media yesterday is going, you can hear the audio yelling for it, yelling for it. Hey, good on Tanner Pearson, who you know will be a topic of conversation and has and was asked again last night, uh, do you want to comment? And he just said, listen, I love playing for this team, and that's all I'm going to say which is what you hear all the time. Um, I do think Tanner Pearson, there's going to be some NHL teams that will kick the tires, not because they want Tanner, Tanner Pearson to be in the top six, but they'll look at a bottom six role and say he might be able to fit the bill. Do you move Tanner Pearson, get something in return, and if you're, Tanner Pearson really loves Vancouver, have a conversation with him um, in the summertime. So we'll see. For me, Pearson may be more attractive than anybody on this team if Alex Edler, of course, decides he's staying and doesn't want to wave. 
Um, I, I think there'll be some calls to Jim Benning. Well, Orfan Gaffar reporting yesterday that there's been little to no communication over the last 10 days between Tanner Pearson's side and the Canucks about any sort of possibility of a new deal. Um, look, I, I, I think here's the other thing I would say with this. Temper your expectations on what sort of return there would be if mm -hmm. Tanner Pearson is ultimately moved before or at the trade deadline, right? Like, you know, don't expect a first round pick back. Don't expect a second round pick back. And, you know, if you're content with getting a third, fourth, or fifth round pick back, then so be it. Yeah, you get something, but I would think temper your expectations if you're Tanner Pearson and, you know, you're you're the unrestricted free agent and you think there's a whole bucket full of cash coming your way. Um, you've, you've had your Stanley Cup. You've had your moment and just see what the numbers are. And you always wonder, are they chasing money or they just want to fit? And that's the decision that has to be made. From a Tyler Toffoli, wasn't like he was really chasing money. He liked to fit. Uh, it didn't work for the Canucks at that point. You wonder if his best buddy in Pearson, Jim Benning, is gun shy if Jim Benning is the guy making that decision as to what you need. Because Tanner Pearson at 29 is a guy who can fill the void. He can fill some voids here for this hockey team. He's not a top six guy anymore, but he's not a bad guy to have around if the number's right. Earlier this morning, we had uh, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. They have a new show uh, together, the Wally and Mathot Show, uh, covering uh, in great detail not just the NHL, but specifically the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Brent, obviously, uh, a fixture uh, in, in Ottawa sports media for years, and Mark Mathot, obviously, a fixture on the on the blue line for the Ottawa Senators for several years. And, you know, if you're looking at a buddy cop, it was Eric Carlson, uh, his, you know, his defensive partner for so many years. So while Eric Carlson was going out winning Norris trophies, and lighting the NHL on fire with his offensive display and wizardry, you know, Mathot was that calm, stabilizing force. And Quinn Hughes is kind of looked at as a version 2.0 in some respects of what Eric Carlson was, right? I don't know if you like that Carlson contract anymore in San Jose, but Quinn Hughes brings that offensive dynamic that this franchise has never had. Mathot was certainly that type of defenseman that the Canucks would certainly love to have alongside Quinn Hughes. And we asked him just what the requirements are to make it fit when you have a, a dynamic puck-moving defenseman and what you need to do on the other side. Here's what Mathot said some of the elements required to have success. You can't just place a big lung, lumbering D-man and expect him to try and keep up with these new young skilled players that are coming to the league, certainly on defense. So, um, in my position, when I was with Eric, you know, there were a couple of things I had to do. I had to be able to keep up with him. I had to be able to skate. <laughs> I think that's an undervalued trait as a stay-at-home D-man. I think you have to be sneaky fast um, only because you're expected to cover over when they're always pinching or jumping up into the rush. So being able to make up for that ice is crucial. And, and obviously, um, being able to move the puck well. I know with, with Eric, I was always fishing pucks out of the corner, winning battles having to hit him in the middle of the ice from the D zone. So it was funny. It almost, it almost always gave me two options. I had the low center that I could hit the winger, I guess, but ideally you want to go to the middle. So I'd always have the centerman or Eric Carlson, and he always wanted the puck. So I think as a stay-at-home D-man nowadays, certainly if you're trying to compliment a young, skilled player like Hughes, is you got to be able to keep up with him, and you got to be able to make good decisions with the puck. And I suppose – those players aren't exactly available all over the NHL. And you got to, in many cases, groom a player up like that through your own system. Uh, but they're out there. And, and I know that 
nowadays you just you got to be able to move up there and that's something that's probably my biggest takeaway from watching players now if you want to be a good support player you got to be able to keep up so there's uh mark mathot and some great insight because man he lived it he breathed it pair in terms of what the elements that are required to have success to play alongside an eric carlson or in this market's case quinn hughes I, I think that wonderful insight. You you talk about, you know, the playmaking center and, and, you know, as a winger, you're just grinding it in the corner and getting them the puck and then go to the net and things happen. But, you know, my thought essentially saying it's the exact same thing when you're playing D. You want to get that puck-moving defenseman the puck and let him go. But as he said, you know, if he was the first guy into the corner, he's the guy who makes has to make that first pass. And whether it was the center coming back for it or whether it was Carlson who's going up the middle and go, here you go, um, he's the one who starts it, right? I mean, it, it's the beauty of a Carlson, of a Quinn Hughes, but a lot of the times it's that puck retrieval for the D-man to go, here you go, I got it for you. So uh, I think there's a lot more to it. There were people that said, you know, Luke Shannon's the guy, he's good enough. You got to be able to play and you got to be able to move. And, and Mark Mathot, who lived it, breathed it, uh, made a nice career out of it, letting people know it's not that simple and maybe the Canucks have to figure out, yeah, great, we've got Quinn Hughes. But let's solidify someone who can play with Quinn Hughes with that skill set. And and I, I you're kind of looking at the roster now. In in some respects, you would you would hope that Tyler Myers would be that guy, right? Right-handed D. He can skate. You know, he can kind of jump into the play if need be. But obviously, it hasn't been a fit, right? Like those two just haven't clicked, and they haven't really gone down that road with those two playing together. All that much, you know. Jordy Ben isn't a long-term solution for this franchise, so I guess you wonder, you know, do you go down that road? Is is a Brogan Rafferty or a Jack Rathbone that sort of possibility? You know, Yolevi's a left-handed D. You know, is Nate Schmidt going to be that guy? They obviously aren't going down that road here with this team right now, and Alex Edler is not a long-term solution, and obviously another left-handed D. So. I guess I'd be curious to well, see how they try to address this long term and or just continue to try to ride this out. Like, is Travis Hamanick a long term solution here with this team going forward beyond this season? I like how Travis Hamanick has played with Quinn Hughes. It's the question: What kind of numbers Travis Hamanick got? He wanted to stay out west. You get him for one point two. Hadn't really played for a year. Opted out of the bubble. Uh, I think he has really progressed and helped this team. And surprisingly, he's done more offensively than I thought he would. But he played only 16 minutes to... last night, Pear. Like, he no, played but... 16 minutes. Like, you know, I mean, he was a, here was a guy who was 23 minutes a night last year. Like, they're still limiting his minutes out there. But, you know, I don't think you're pairing – you're not pairing Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes up. Uh, I don't think this team is looking that way. If you've got a Jack Rathbone, you're going to have another guy that's going to want to be a go guy, right? Give me the puck, let me see. So – there is a difficulty, and Mark, with that said, there are players out there, but I think you have to be looking at that way. You know, it's not just the complimentary player. It's going to make sure, here's a guy, and this is the role he has. Here's what he has in his toolkit, and this is all we're going to need. But, you know, Bo Horvat has played center ice with the rotating wingers all the time. I don't think Quinn Hughes wants that coming. He's had it in the first three years. He's been successful. It's a fit that the Vancouver Canucks have to find for Quinn Hughes as they move forward. Uh, meantime, our uh, our Sportsnet hockey insider here at Sportsnet, uh, Elliot Friedman, was on our uh, sister station, uh, Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary yesterday, and was asked about uh, a report came up on Hockey Night in Canada over the weekend about the viability of the North Division and the All-Canadian Division, and could we see more of this going forward uh, beyond just this season. Here's what Elliot Friedman had to say about the sustainability of the all-Canadian King of the North Division. 
there are some Canadian teams that would like to try it with fans. And it doesn't look like we're going to get that this year, so they'd like to try it next year. Now, I don't think it's every Canadian team. I think it is some. Uh, I think the league is against it. I have said for a while now, and I know I've done it on this show, I think that the Canadian division should stay in. Um, and they are against it. They don't want it. Um, I think there will be a more division-heavy series of games, but I don't think there, there's enough people that want it. For one thing, the travel is not great. Yeah. Even if you play uh, back-to-back games or three games in a row, it's going to be a lot of travel. And the other thing is one team has pointed out to me, you can't do 25-7. and seven. You've, You're going to need an eighth team. And that means you're asking Seattle or Buffalo right. to be in the Canadian division. And I'm not sure that those teams would do it. I, I really don't. And I think also you're, you're asking to be in the Canadian division with a lot of travel. So at this point, yeah. I, and that's the one, that's been probably the one kick in the A double crooked letter for teams dealing with this case in point. Look at the, uh, look at the Canucks right now, right in Ottawa. Uh, and then they got Montreal coming up Friday, Saturday, like, you know, that's not exactly a short haul flight. I love. I, I I liked it. I know some people have said, and I think Perry, even you said, you know, you're kind of getting tired of some of the same old matchups. But I've enjoyed the Canadian division. I'd love to see a little more of it, but just in a way that it's got to be able to work. Now the NHL's talking more divisional games. Um, is that enticing enough? But I think there's way more emotional investment with the all Canadian matchups, at least on this side of the border this year. I. Th- I would be disappointed if the league didn't take something out of what, what we've witnessed in, in this shortened season. Um, I've enjoyed the back-to-back same city. Didn't think I would, but, you know, if the Leafs come here once next year, come play Saturday, Sunday, right? Uh, what we'll see this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Habs, Canucks. Uh, I like that. Uh, minimize the travel, and you don't have to go back-to-back, which we normally think, oh, it means you're in Edmonton Friday, and then you're back in Vancouver the next day. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm getting tired of it. Uh, but now that there's so much at stake, it will be okay. It was so new, so the novelty only now is wearing off. But because there's so much as far as playoff implications, I hope I would be surprised, James, if the NHL doesn't take something and go, here's how we make it work. But I don't think you can full bore like Elliot says, hey, Canadian division, go there. It, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I guess I, I'd just be curious to see if you could if you could make the schedule a little top heavier in the sense that would allow for it. Um, I guess, I mean, if you're dealing with flames and Oilers games here on this side of the country, then you're, you could have a few more games divisionally with the flames and the Oilers. But that also means that next year you're, you're more games with the San Jose sharks and the LA Kings and, you know, the Anaheim ducks and, yeah, is there a rivalry in a history? And then you know you've got Seattle as well, right? Like there'll be a natural history there. But I don't know if you you necessarily have the same emotional attachment when the Sharks play. And no. hey, look, oh hey, take advantage of those rebuilding teams when you can. But is there the same emotional attachment? Like, do you get up more for a Jets Canucks game, or do you get up more for you know a Jets Kings game? Or, or sorry, Can- or Canucks right? and Kings, or Canucks and Ducks. You know what I mean? Listen, if the Kings are coming here on a Tuesday night and, and the Sharks are here Wednesday and it's the Oilers or Canucks uh, on a Saturday uh, or the Flames and the Canucks, you want to go to that Canadian game, right? We haven't dealt with dog days of the NHL season, A, because it's short, but B, because 
Anaheim's not rolling through on a Thursday night, and nor is San Jose. I think the Canucks will be a better hockey team because of the competition they've played in here, but I don't mind the facts of, of having a Toronto Maple Leaf weekend, right? Montreal Canadian week. I, I think that's great, but how do you balance everything out? No one has texted in to say, I miss the Sharks, want to see them play, got to get my Brett Burns fix. No, uh, haven't. We've enjoyed it, and so I think you have to tweak it somehow. Uh, in the NHL to make the schedule work. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of people jumping in. We'll get to your thoughts as this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Your thoughts next and some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Perry, I know you're going to hate this, and Greg Ballack's oh, already shaking man. his head, but it is yeah. March 16th, 316. It is 316 day. Shout out to Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's Stone Cold Day. Yeah, someone texted. Why is it Stone Cold Day? Explain to me. So. 25 years ago, when Stone Cold Steve Austin really kind of made his mark, he had a a very famous promo where he got on the microphone and he said, Austin 316 says, I just kicked your ass. And then it sparked all the T-shirts that sold millions and millions of T-shirts, 316, kind of a a reference of a biblical reference at the time. And uh, you used to see the John 316s in the football stadiums for years and years. And Austin 316, so March 3. 16, March 16th, it's 316 days. Stone Cold Day. Do you or have you at any time had a T-shirt that says 316? I did, yeah. I About 25 years ago, I had a Stone Austin 316 <laughs> shirt that I later gave to my dad when he had shaved his head and had a goatee working as a cop, so it fit him perfectly. Balak, were you surprised at that answer? I, I knew the answer was yes, one way or the other. Hey, I don't know if we have the answer, but a lot of people texting in on the Dumber Lumber text line when we got talking about the the Canadian division. Um, I miss every team not named Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Montreal, or Toronto. I I think that's a fair point. Uh, You know, but Brian texting in, and people, please sign your text saying, yeah, but if Connor McDavid was playing in the States, do you think as Canadians we'd still love the North division? I mean, listen, you take the two most exciting players, three most exciting players in the league, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Austin Matthews. Should we be complaining that you get to see these guys play, what, essentially 18 times in front of you? I mean, that's been awesome. Fitted, like, you look at where the top-heavy stars are in this on this yeah. side of the border, right? I mean, you, who are the front runners for the Hart Trophy this year? Connor McDavid? Austin Matthews, they're probably your, you know, two of your top three front runners at this point in time this season. Uh, I mean, there's no shortage of star power across the country this year, but you would also think that with ESPN spending a boatload of money, um, uh, you know, $400 million a year starting next year, you, you yeah. figure that they're probably not going to want to have all Canadian division matchups with some of the best players uh, in the NHL going forward. So. Yeah, that's those where guys the sustainability be... is probably not happening. Uh, Patio saying have fans in Rogers Arena once a year is enough for him. <laughs> I'll say this, James. Here's here's what I like about it. 
You know, I, I was doing a, a soccer game in San Jose, so my wife and I went early to San Francisco. We were there on a Thursday, and the Packers were playing that Sunday against the Niners. And by Thursday, the number of people in Packers jersey who were there, and I talked to some, and you know Packer fans travel well. But I would, I would think if the Habs came here not for just a Saturday, but they came to play a Saturday and a Sunday game, if you had those back-to-backs, I would think, especially in a February or January, you're going to get a lot of people from Montreal that are going to look and go, you know what? We're heading to Vancouver. We're heading to the West Coast. We'll get out of the snow for a bit, and we'll come and we'll take over the city for uh, for a couple of days and have a weekend. I think that's what you would get with back-to-back fans, and I think if you could get tickets, some Canucks fans would do the same thing, going to, going to Toronto, going to Montreal, let's go there for the weekend. The Canucks are playing too. I would like that aspect of the back-to-back with Canadian teams. Uh, John in Vancouver uh, talking about the Mark Mathot's theory in terms of what you need, uh, the perfect partner for uh, for Quinn Hughes. The answer is still Tanev. I'm still shaking my head over the fact that uh, Benning goofed up. He did not see Tanev's value both on his own and Hughes' partner. Mm. That's John in Vancouver. Uh, you know what? Look, I, would it be a perfect— ex- Get over it, it, John. Well, I would just say this. like It would be a perfect fit this season, but at some point that cliff is going to be steep, and you know at some point Chris Tanev is going to miss probably— at least a chunk of games here down the stretch. It just, I mean, history shows that it happens, right? He, he busted his foot right at the end of the season last year. So we got to get out of here. Uh, hey, the Scott Ritual Show is coming up at the top of the clock. Uh, Mike McKenna, John Beck, Harmon Dale from The Athletic, uh, all set to join uh, Scotty coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. Tomorrow, St. Patrick's Day. We've got one of the great Irishmen in Canucks history joining us from the back end there, uh, uh, Pear. Uh, the luck of the Irish. Eddie Jovanowski. Yeah. Looking forward to Jovo Cop. Hey, he's coming from Florida where the hottest team in the NHL is. The Panthers, number one overall. Florida also going with a packed house for UFC next month with 15,000 fans. <laughs> Only in Florida, everybody. We got to get out of here. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel tomorrow. It's game day. Canucks and Sands here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. <laughs>